Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. And this is unfortunately our final um, podcast of the year for 2023. And we're going to be um, reviewing the second round of the Champions Cup and Challenge Cup. We're going to be also just looking back on a massive year for rugby in 2023. So I'm joined by Sean. Sean, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, um, how was your weekend? Hello. I'm a little bit darker because I was um, s- sitting in the sun watching the Stormers La Rochelle game. You were sitting but on yeah, the well, sun. <laughs> it felt like it. But and, it was, and, it was your, was... and it was your anniversary. So can, can you, I mean, I, I was never going to let you get away with this, but <laughs> didn't you go also for your missus's birthday, take her to the rugby, and now for your anniversary, you took to the rugby as well. Can no. you just explain to us? I, I can't, I can't remember the, the birthday story. I, maybe I just have selective memory, but <laughs> yes, it was... He's just, used, he's just used to taking his, his wife to the rugby bit at the worst possible times. That's why he has selective memory. That's, what, that's how he does it. As, yeah, as my wife has said, she needs to appear on the show so that she can really just lay into me for forcing her to go to these rugby games and watching all but these matches. But imagine the insights she has. Forget about she has, throwing well, you under the bus. She, There's going to be phenomenal insights. Yeah. She has good takes. I think she could hold her own in any rugby conversation now. So. I, you know what, I think she would be a pretty good addition to the team. So then let's get on. <laughs> first, yeah. first guess of 2024. Maybe we can, first guess maybe of we can, yeah, and also make, make her debut like on her anniversary as well. I mean, we might as well just keep the theme going the same. <laughs> I'll, I'll let her know. I'll let her know that there's some demand for her to, to appear on the show. Absolutely. But yeah, I... <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 we can talk about that. We can talk about the game. You've probably heard now the the lovely dulcet tones of Cooks there um, chirping at me as well. Cooks, how was your weekend? How how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all good. Weekend was good. Um, yeah, flipping shocks hurt me yesterday, but um, <laughs> yeah. But, I was gonna save that for later. That, uh, but I don't. No, no, no. I'm just. Why is he mentioning the shock? I'm mentioning it now before. Because you mentioned them later, I'm not going to respond because I might uh, have broken my uh, microphone. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, but I'm, I'm all good. Weekend was good. Um, d- was bleak. I wasn't at. Um, well, I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't in Cape you, Town. I was going to say I was also in yeah. Cape Town at the same time. Yes. With Dante playing. Uh, you took two losses this weekend. <laughs> one, one on the field, and one with your beloved Sharks. Yeah, that was tough to take. And the thing is, it's the first. I think I'm, I'm probably the first person who's, who's played a rugby game. Been in another city and tweeted simultaneously. Just I was doing, I was all action on Saturday. Yeah, but a massive a, game. Yeah, on a serious well. note, though, like how close were you to having a photo with your doppelganger? Well, yeah, <laughs> as I was saying, as I was saying off air, I bumped into the uh, La, La, La Rochelle guys there were in Joburg just, just before they flew down to Cape Town, and then I know Dylan Dylan Lades quite well, so I was, I was I was catching up with him, and then I was like, listen, you like where's Jonathan? Don't they say him and I look alike? So he saw me and burst out, he burst out laughing, and unfortunately <laughs> we couldn't find him because obviously he was out walking he, around. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that was strategic. I think Dante and Cooks still want to. I think Cooks is trying to still hide his identity, so but he just Cooks, I mean, failed to get like, a picture with Dante. Failed to be in Cape Town this weekend, even <laughs> though his work makes him travel every flipping weekend for every game. <laughs> but, but honestly, have you ever seen both of them in the same room together? Mm, like these are the they were in the same so. airport and you still didn't see them. So maybe there's <laughs> truth to the rumor. What I'm saying, all I'm saying is I've 
I mean, I know, I mean, I've never actually ever officially said I'm retired from playing rugby. I could have just changed my name and just left the Kings and just sort of just moved to France randomly <laughs> instead of playing international rugby. Here we go. <laughs> Look, we'll, we'll have to just schedule a recording when La Rochelle is playing a game. That's the only way we'll find out whether Dante is Cooks or Cooks is Dante or not. Like, even the ages are similar because Cooks, you're a 1992 kid, right? Yeah, 92 kid. Yeah, and Dante's 1992 as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. Oh, this is the best. Yeah, guys, it, you know what? We need, we need someone to get on the case here. The likes of Dylan Jack, you are probably our best uh, rugby journalist um, right now. You need to get to the bottom of this investigation. We need, we need also the French journalists as well. We, how's this guy appearing on Supersport and Outshorings ads and playing for France and La Rochelle at the same time. We need to find it out. <laughs> Secret flights, Tyler. Secret flights. Jeez, you must have a helicopter or a time machine. I don't know what. Hey, listen, listen they, they pay quite well at La Rochelle, so I'm, I'm, I, I managed to get around. <laughs> listen, on the topic of time machine, do you know that they're bringing out a Back to the Future, another one? Why? Yeah, I know. 2024, they're releasing <laughs> another one. Very interesting. Goodness. I think Spider-Man's, yeah. I think Spider-Man's the guy. And Michael J. Fox is in it somewhere. I don't know. Great Scott. Yeah, all, all, these, all these remakes. Guys, let's talk some rugby now. So we've had some Champions Cup this weekend. A good weekend for the South African teams again. Um, oh, you know, two, two really good wins against overseas opposition. The Cheetahs beating the Sharks, as Cooks talked about. The Bulls coming very close with their second team against Leon. But let's start with the match in Cape Town. The Storm is beating La Rochelle 21 points to 20. <laughs> Guys, I need to actually say that because of all the plans for the anniversary weekend, I only watched until the 70th minute because we had to go to another reservation at five. So I only heard a shout um, as I was walking out of the stadium. And I wasn't sure if it was a good or a bad shout. But yeah, um, Money Lebok slotting the, the kick to, to win the game for the Stormers. Sean, it's a it, you know the Stormers didn't really make this easy for themselves. La Rochelle playing almost their typical game of absorbing pressure and then just hitting you hard on the counter attack and just wearing you down with all their big ball carriers. But the Stormers came through, I think, mostly because of their scrum and their rolling more, and were eventually able to find a way through. And um, Andre Ichofenta scoring the try in the last minute and Manny Lebok hitting the the, the kick. So maybe, Sean, you can tell me what happened in the last 10 minutes as well. I, I can't believe, I can't believe you missed that. That's, that's, I mean, yeah, no, we'll, we'll save that for another day. <laughs> the Stormers, oh, you know, there's, there's something to be said about playing badly and winning. And that's, that, that falls on the Stormers squarely because they didn't, they weren't in it. Like, if we're honest with ourselves, that there was a massive, massive moment. And it, it was the correct call to disallow the try because of, of the head contact. Um, and, I mean, it took a little bit long. I saw a couple of guys having a dig at the referee about it. But I thought it was handled well. The Timo, from what I heard on TV, had cleared it. And then the referee had seen it on TV and then called it back up. But it was the right call. But it was a massive swing moment because Stormers winning by one point could easily have lost by, gee, I don't know, what was the score at the time, like 14 or 13 points. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a good one for them to win and get out. But I think... I think La Rochelle are, are flying home and just 
pretty pissed with themselves for that loss. Yeah, I think they had the... It, it was clear that, you know, at least watching, it was obviously a very hot day. And it was clear that, obviously, La Rochelle's, you know, their whole, you know, the, the way that they set up their rugby is, you know, have the big ball carriers be able to absorb and to strike back once, you know, you you get the ball on the counterattack. And they, I mean, they scored two really good tries off the counterattack, so it worked to an extent. But you can see that the likes of Antonio and Skelton and um, Cooks as well, or Dante, they were all, you know, <laughs> they haven't really played many games in 30-degree heat. So you can see that the Stormers, as the game went on and on, that they were the ones in the ascendancy. It was just that La Rochelle didn't really get as many points as they should have in the first half. And then the second half, you know, the Stormers just about beat the clock in order to win the game. Books, in terms of the Stormers, you know, it was a very scrappy performance. It kind of seemed like maybe it was, yeah, like the, the, the team was still a bit, uh, a bit rusty. You know, some combinations haven't really played with each other this season because of, you know, injuries and the World Cup and everything like that. But, you know, as Sean said, they won ugly. The the question now is they've got three big home derbies in the next few weeks, and you know you wonder if they're well set up for those for those games. I definitely think they are well set up for it. I mean, um, it wasn't pretty. I think the Stormers were the first to say that. I mean, I think the last two weeks the performances they haven't been great, but they've they've done enough to win. And I think Sean, the best way to describe it is a smash and grab because they they took their game like poor Larashel. We were watching the game. Jeez, that lightning storm. Man. Jeez, we're hold watching. on, hold on, Bree. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> like, I'm feeling it, and I'm like a thousand kilometers away from you. Or, may, or, may, or, may, or maybe that's Will, that's Will Skelton approaching my door. Um, it's Levani Bhatia but, um, putting a tackle in on uh, poor yeah. old Yanchis. Oh, my goodness. Shame. Shame, shame, shame. That's, that was bullying. But I think they are well set up because, you, like you said, um, it's, they're still sort of almost getting, the, I wouldn't say the rust, the combinations, the box, the box players coming back and sort of integrating themselves with the, with the other squad members. You can you can still sort of see that because there's a few little areas that they don't normally have passes going, passes going to the ground. I mean, sometimes there the, 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 I mean, was a, the time I think Hoshiankis was a pod and there was Marnie standing behind the pod and he passed in between, but in between, in between, in between those two players. I'm like, so it's those things with the small little areas. But again, they kept the more the game went on. I think I was saying to my mates, I'm like, Larishal's got to put the Stormers away here. Like Stormers, they they're good enough to create a chance. To win it, and obviously it came from, it came from the from, from the headshot and and the right call, and then they took they took their chance and won the game. And again, Moni, Moni loves the last minute um, winner at the DHL <laughs> the DHL stadium, but I think they are well set up. I think I, I definitely think they will be a lot better against the Bulls. So the funny thing is, La Rochelle and Stormers play a very similar way. So yeah, it's almost so it's almost like the things Stormers are trying to do. It almost played into La Rochelle's hands. So the more mistakes, so La Rochelle's trying to feed off turnover ball. Stormers trying to feed off turnover ball as well. So, so they they're almost waiting for each other to turn the ball over. So well, I think with the Bulls, obviously they're a lot more direct. Um, I think that that could also sort of lean towards the towards the Stormers in terms of just for the way they play. And I also think with it being a derby, and also it's the two best sides that I've got. I definitely think the Stormers will be up for it. So yeah, I, I think they are well set up, and um, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see how the approach um, the Bulls will have this weekend against the Stormers. But um, I still think the Stormers are in a good place. And like Sean, you said it, when you can not play your best and still win and beat the defending or back-to-back European champions, that says a lot. Sean, who was the most impressive Storm for you? Hmm. It would be, 
be between Ben Loder and Damien Willemser, but uh, Van Heerden also. Is it Van Heerden? Yeah. I'm doubting myself here for a sec. But I'm, I'm super happy with Ben Loder. I'm loving, loving him at the moment. I, I do think that he, he needs to get a shot at 13 sometime. I don't know how they're going to make it happen, but I think he could be a decent 13. But he's uh, starting to settle in nicely in Cape Town. But yeah, Damien Willems, I thought, had a great game. Um, Jeez, he's yeah. very elusive. He's, yeah, I think the, the, this is why I love Willems at 12. Like, you get the playmaking with him being closer to the ball. You get, you know, his defensive impact. He, I think he had one nice hit on um, Dante when he was trying to make an offload and um, it was able to dislodge the ball off him. And you get, you know, just he's, he's got ridiculous feet around contact. So he can put himself into a gap just, you know, by dancing around people when, when there's a lot of traffic in his, um, his channel. And I really love um, having Willems at 12. I think, I think he had a really good game on Saturday. And yeah, I love the Ruben van Yeden shot too. He's, yeah. Sean, you were the one that said last week, right, that he's, you know, going to be in the Springbok Raider, right? Because, yeah, you, you can just see how he plays, how he just gets through all the work, his ability in line out, and, and the way he just mashes people in the racks, that that player is going to go far. I think, I think it was Cooks that called him. I, when, when he said it, it, was, it wasn't me, put it that way. Because I was like, mm, <laughs> I don't know yet. I think we're okay. But yeah, watching him on Saturday, because obviously I was keeping an eye on him after that. He's, uh, he's, it seems the move from Exeter here has been a great one for him. Um, and uh, he's really performing well. Cooks. Thanks, Sean, for, thanks, Sean, for acknowledging. Good guy. Sean, you're basically acknowledging I'm still the rugby in the rugby bit. Don't forget that, don't forget that part. <laughs> um, but, a blind um, squirrel, eh? I wanted to say my favorite moment on Saturday with Damien Willems. Uh, Stormers, I think, Tal, you may have left it. The Stormers had, um, they, were, they were defending. They, Willems I, I kicked it through and they were defending. And, and, and someone, was, I can't remember, someone was going for a steal. And it, was, and it was a legit steal, like holding on, holding on, holding on. Eventually, guy got clean. Larshaw plays on. Damien Willems was so pissed off. He just, like, he, like, stood next to the ruck and, like, angry, Talk to the referee, still angry. While the game's going on, he walked onto the wing, <laughs> speech to the touch judge, still angry. And it's like, and then eventually, like, but like the guys are picking and going. I think he stood there for like, for like two minutes, like a minute and a half. It just, the rage in his face. And I'm like, my man, there's a game going on. Like, I, I get it. Like, <laughs> man. Oh, man. But I must say, like, I agree with you. Uh, my most imp- he's, I, I, I think I tweeted it, or I, I remember I tweeted and I said that he's winning a while. My hot take is he's winning a world player, a world rugby player of the year in the next four years. I think mm. he's about to, I think he's about to hit a level where he's only going to get better and better. Mm. And the thing is for me, what tell what I love the most about Willem is the confidence he has and that he's playing with. Mm. You can see where he's at, whether he's at 15 or whether he's at 12, he's, he's carrying himself as if like he's one of the best players in the field. He wants the occasion, he wants the ball, he wants to make the big plays. And the thing is like, his game is getting a lot more polished now. I mean, his kicking game has gone a lot better. There's a 50-22 in the game. There's a brilliant move. So that's, that's, that's the thing I love about Damon Lusser and is the fact that he's getting into this, this mode now. Oh, man, I really think the next four years, I mean, touch wood, he says fit. I really think the next four years he's going to cement himself as one of the best players in the world. Yo, I don't mind that shot at all. I think, you know, obviously he's played and won two World Cups. He's still 25. and 
I don't think we've seen his best rugby yet. Like that's a scary thought for for most people. I think he's just gonna get better and better. It's just you know a matter of hopefully there is a bit of you know he does you know hopefully play like in the same position both for club and country. But there isn't really much holding him back from really you know being one of the best rugby players in the world in the next four years. He's. Do you remember, I mean, obviously after 2019, we were kind of trying to figure out where he's going to fit in and we thought play 23 was his best shot because 10, 12, and 15, he, he wouldn't be able to, to be number one there. Then mm. m- move on to 2023, like he has to start. And we think maybe 10's not the best position for him at Test Rugby. Um, we're happy with him at 15 and we're okay with him at 12. Um, and then we're getting to the point now where we're like, cool, he's starting to work a little bit at 12. Now we just kind of need to figure up and close that, that 10 option because it would be like, he's, there's no doubt he's got the talent, but imagine, imagine being a coach and you can lean on a player of that caliber and you can put him virtually anywhere in the back line. Mm. Like you can start him, you can bench him. Like it is, it's wild. It's wild to think that. And Cook's, I think you're right. Like he's just growing and growing and growing. The the only thing, well, sorry, not the only thing. The thing that happened in the past is because of his individual skills, when the shit hit the fan in test rugby or, or for the stormers, you'd find that he would be doing a lot on his own. Like he was like, cool, I will do this yeah. by myself. And that was a little bit of a downfall. But now that balance of him doing that stuff on his own and trusting the guys around him has changed. It's either the trust in the players or the growth in him as an individual where he realized that he can't do it all. But yeah, he's, it's crazy. And the truth is you, there's a reality where he could be playing 10 in, in the next world cup for us. He could be playing 12. He could be playing 15. You can see a, a future where he starts in every one of those positions. It's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. He was really impressive. I like, he was one of the players that really does stick out, even if you're watching him live. He does, folks, just going back to your story, he does love a moan at the ref and the touch judge. Like, he is constantly <laughs> in there. Didn't he's, you say that on the group? <laughs> yeah, I think I did. He's just always any call, or at least calls that go against the Stormers. Really, I mean, I don't think he's doing it in a disrespectful way at all, but he's definitely asking questions. What's going on? Why is this? He was. He had his hands on the ground. Like he's the most vocal, and I, I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, to twist this into more of a positive, you can see it even with his team. He's he's the one. Him and Moni, like going to the forwards and telling them what they want, going to the backs and trying to set up the move and all that sort of stuff. You can see that, you know, both him and Moni. I think most well. You know, I've gone to my fair share of um, Stormers games in the last two years, but it seems like more and more their leadership skills are coming out of out in the, in the game, but. Look, in terms of going to refs and complaining, yeah, he's number one. I think it's probably him and James Ryan that are biting, <laughs> showing the, the ears of referees at the moment. James Who's Ryan him, has been booted, booted out of his co-captaincy role two weeks running, hasn't he? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, though, like, if you're going to captain Leinster and be a potential island captain, you have to be a dick to referees. I don't make the rules. This is true. And, like, <laughs> and if you want to be... If you want to be a Springbok 15, you also have to be a dick to referee. Exactly. Really sure. it's also true. <laughs> there we go. This is rugby heritage. <laughs> so now, yeah, we're just waiting to see who the All Blacks have to, to take up Dan Coles' role. 
Um, yeah, just on other impressive players <laughs> oh. from Saturday, in uh, on the La Rochelle side, guys, Levani Botia. Oh my goodness, the Stormers what had no weapon. answer for him in the first half. They got a lot better with like getting to their racks. They, I think, Dobbo and the team realized, look, if we don't get to the rack first, we're screwed. So they were very, they were a lot better in protecting their ball. But even even then, he still was making a big impact um, in the racks. Will Skelton. <laughs> Yeah, I've had my things to say about Will Skelton. Just one small observation I have about him. He is the most pushes the lines, like pushes the 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 boundaries player, like one of the most pushing the boundaries players in the world. Because every rack, if the if Larchal's in there 22, he'll put his hand in or he'll try to join from the side or he'll try to uh, mess up with the nine. And I don't know if it's fear or if it's because he can always go, oh, I'm big and clumsy or whatever. Like, he just does this like at pretty much every rug. I think he did concede a penalty or two, but he just pushes that line constantly and just basically daring the ref to penalize him or to, you know, but obviously refs usually fall into the habit of just warning him and saying, leave it, it's not out, whatever the case is. So any rug that, you know, your team has or like the attacking team has in their 22, um, Will is there with his hand trying to mess up everything. It's such an irritating thing. And, yeah, I don't know if it's fear or what it is, but it seems to work because the referees are just look at him and they're like, uh, okay, I guess, whatever. So yeah, that was just awesome seeing that from Skelton. And then Antoine Astoy and Mani Lebog, obviously both of them were essentially second choice fly halves throughout the course of this this year so far. And, you know, played, you know, got into their national teams. And I mean, obviously Lebog had a bigger role in his national team, but Astoy played really well. I think he was, him and Kobalo controlled the game quite well, at least for the first 40, 50 minutes. A lot of those little kick passes and cross kicks um, got really well. And he was trying to find um, five and, and late in, in space as well. So, yeah, he's he's a really good player, as as we all know. But, yeah, he's he's really growing into into being like, a, you know, top test class type of fly half. But, yeah, like seeing Larishal live, you realize, you know, what, what works for them. Oh, also, Pierre Bougarit was fantastic when he, when he played, at least in the first half. But you realize that with La Rochelle, you need, you're going to be tested physically the whole day because they have obviously those massive boys just running at your channel every, you know, at every phase. Skelton's going to touch the ball a lot. Antonio's going to touch the ball a lot. You have Tanga making, causing havoc. You have Budenoy on the wing. You have, you know, all their big backline players. And, yeah, maybe it's also they obviously still trying to find form. They're not really good in the French top fourteen right now. But yeah, it's it's and they have to do a lot now to try and qualify. But you know, if they're in a knockout game against you, and you know, home or away, I mean, they went really close against you know South Africa's best team, and they went all the way to Cape Town after playing on Sunday. They 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 wouldn't they would fancy their chances against most teams playing wherever they play them. Don't. I was, you're talking about like the pack and the Lucy's and stuff. And I was, I just remember something that I thought about on Saturday was the storm, the storm is Lucy's. Mm. The one space that they really didn't dominate, like that loose trio didn't really work as a combination. Um, I, I don't know if Hachavadaimani should be, I don't think that that loose trio should be like that. I don't think that Hachavadaimani should be playing blindside. Because especially if they've got Ruiz at eight, you know what I mean. Um, I I really think that they're missing, they're they're missing 
a big hard blindside or a big hard eight, one of the two. But I don't mm. think those three together are the answer unless they're working on something and they're able to fix it. But yeah, I, I just wasn't, I thought that that was probably some space that they kind of fell a bit short on Saturday. Yeah, I yeah I I agree with you, especially when he plays against like a quality Lucy or blindside like Budono. Like he, you can see the work that he does around the field. And I mean, Daimani obviously has a strengths. He had a good little five minute stretch um, before he went off where he was carrying the ball more. But the ball isn't really coming to him. Um, he isn't, isn't able to make that impact there. Then you wonder if maybe against the La Rochelles, maybe the Bulls, maybe like Leinster and Munster, those type of teams, if you shouldn't play him as an impact player and start with someone like Dixon, for example. Or play him at eight. Or play him at open side and then put Faree on the bench or something. I don't think yeah. it's specifically Daimani. I mean, obviously yeah, he's coming yeah, back yeah, from yeah, injury yeah. and everything. I just think that the balance is not there. So to pick out one player when the balance is out, because if, yeah. if you're going you're gonna to put a big blind side, then go for it. Then you can leave the rest of the loose trio the same. You could put Daimani at eight and put another blind side there. You could put Daimani open side. So I just don't think blind side without a big eight is the answer for him mm. right now. Maybe they needed Maybe. A, a, that role for him to get back into the groove. Shit, I don't know. Maybe also as Russ continues to develop his like, you know, dirty work game, if I can call it that, like Daimani's strengths can just be, be more utilized. That if Russ is doing sort of the dirty work and cleaning people out and taking out bodies and making tackles and all that sort of stuff, then Daimani can still be used like in the transit attack and, you know, where obviously his skills are. It's just, it wasn't the type of game for him, which is why on Saturday, like even for Russ to an extent, but yeah, for as you said, um, Sean, for those two, they maybe don't quite shine in the game like this because it's a bit more tight. It's a bit more stop-start. Obviously, I think the sun just, obviously, they, they cause a lot of knock-ons and scrums and set pieces and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, you you want to maybe just reject that. So it's commissioning to see what they do on Saturday because um, with the Bulls, as Quick said, it's a, it's, it's a different type of team in terms of the Bulls just want to, you know, run and run and run and run in terms of just keeping the ball and, and playing a, a more of a possession game. So how do the Stormers counter that? Obviously, the Stormers have had a really good time against the Bulls in the last few few years. But let's move to the Bulls game. They lost 29 points to 28 to Leon. They're actually leading the game for, for quite a bit, and, and, and Leon came back into it. Um, at least, you know, I think on the balance of things, Jake White would be happy with a, with a bonus point loss there. Um, they were able to score, you know, three tries. Leon got a five-try bonus point, unfortunately. And, you know, some players had put their hands up. But, Cooks, yeah, what is there stuff that Jake can take from that game to be like, okay, there's either players or things that we're doing that um, are going well? Is it just, you know, the Bulls are just in a good in good form at the moment that even, like, a second-string team can, can be competitive now? I think, yeah, that's the biggest thing, the takeaway for the Bulls is the fact that they know how, how deep their depth goes. I mean, to go to Lyon, who, are, who have been playing well, and, um, and it's, it's an easy place to play, like Sean, you always mention how hard it is to win in France. And um, the fact that we're leading that game, obviously, I think Jacob would be disappointed the way they closed it out. I mean, it looked like, a, especially in the first half, I thought, they were very, they were, I thought they were very good in the first half, and they controlled that game very nicely and then sort of fell away in the second half. But again, that does come when you're playing against a full strength Leon side and you and you've made quite a few changes and 
and and and and for those players to actually respond and play that well, Jake probably left as a Kekua. I know you've lost. Yeah, yeah, you've lost the battle. You lost. You you lost the battle, but the war still the, the war still there because he goes. I'm leaving France knowing that how strong my death is, which in the later runs of the competition, where even URC, he can be comfortable in certain games. Okay, I can arrest. Oh, I can bring certain players home early on tour to target games at home because my squad is big enough to sort of, these guys can cover these games. But I know that I can rest the big guys here because I can rest the big guys here because at least the numbers I have, I mean, they're flipping, they, the, the locks that the Bulls are uncovering at the moment is incredible and the players they're finding. And like, their lock depth is, is, is wild. I mean, good locks they have. And, 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 and you look there like, for, for you, Jake Water, you're probably thinking, like you said last year, that the biggest mistake you made last season was just playing your starters over and over and over, just wearing them thin, wearing them thin. Whereas now they've signed very nicely, promoted a few guys from the academy, and also like, and each player they sign, it just fits in the way they play. Like look at someone like Devin Williams is almost the closest like for like guy they'll have a Villaru there, and it's like that's the signs you make. I mean, you you don't have you don't have Curtly Orenza, but then you can have Sergio Peterson. Like that's that's the way how well it's designed inside. I still think that the signing of Jakob van der will prove to be a masterstroke, having an international fly-off that can, that can sort of come on in games like that and they can come on in games that get an impact them. So I think if you're a Bulls fan, yeah, a tough loss, especially because you were leading, but you probably, you're not, you're, not, you're not too despondent after that. Unlike the Sharks, I'm despondent all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about them just now. Don't worry, Cooks. We're going to go in full into what the Sharks are doing and doing wrong. But yeah, I'm sure uh, Cooks did mention, you know, the likes of Sergio Peterson having a, a good game. I think Jakob Adewalt had a great impact off the bench. Uh, you know, Janko Swanepoel looks like a really talented lock. I mean, if, you, if you're locking, you're wearing blue, I just assume you're going to play for the Springboks one day. I thought um, Telepilo Gumede was quite good. Um, I think that's his first start in a Champions Cup. And yeah, he, he played pretty well. You know, you could still play with... Um, and rest a few players, but still have fun starting and could see in that team. So that's really that that that's that's great as well. And Devin Williams was was an option there as well. Sean, yeah, I think this for the Bulls now, the main thing is to try and get a win against the Stormers, basically, just so that they can get that monkey off their back. And you know, if they win against the Stormers, they would be, I think, in the top three or four in the chat in the in the URC. Champions Cup, they pretty set, they set up pretty well to still qualify. They probably need at least one more win at home, and they they probably threw. Like Jake White has pretty quickly, and I mean, look, I I was very critical of of the end of last or at the end of last season, but he's quickly turned it around, and now there's a, a deeper squad, a squad that seems to be playing quite well. A lot of players playing well. The Springboks were added in seamlessly, and they're looking like a, a decent threat for the rest of the competition. Yeah, um, they by far have the the best depth. Um, they they're really looking good. Granted, Leon not having the best um, run in top fourteen at the moment. I think they're third from bottom. But you know, to go there and put up that performance is pretty good with a, a side that is clearly probably like clearly like second string. Um, and with greatest of respect, you know, you know they could name in very key positions a whole whole bunch of new guys so that's the one thing the other thing is jack white has sent away that they've sent the team away last week with an eye on 
in inverted commas, the first team dominating and winning um, this weekend in Cape Town. There's definitely, like, that's definitely a shot. He's thought, you know, we can, if we get a win or we get points in Leon, it's fine. Our, our Champions Cup's not, not in, up to shit. So that's okay. That's worth the risk. But the focus is, is on beating the Stormers. And the best part about it is the Stormers and the Bulls have won home and away and lost home and away. So it's really, really hard to pick this. But I think on current form, the Bulls are definitely going to be favorites going into this. Um, they seem more finely tuned and a little bit more adjusted to, to their game plan where the Stormers didn't play really well, got a great win, which will help them. But there's still some questions to be asked. Cooks, would you pick the Stormers or uh, Bulls, or, uh, Bulls or the Stormers for the weekend? Oh, such a tough one because I mean, form-wise, you got to go Bulls. But um, I, I'm still going to go with the Stormers down in Cape Town. Um, DHL is is a bit of a fortress. I mean, what, what lost like what two games, two games in the last year. It's only Munster who looks like they can win down there. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'll still go with the Stormers. I'm I'm, not, I'm just going to go with that because because of how good they are at home. And I do back them to finally get back into their best. They do. They do. do. Jeez. Hold on. That's what you get Hold for predicting the Stormers. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. The, the, the Stormers are due a, um, um, a good game. So um, I, I think I'm going to go with the Stormers. I'm, I'm, I'm podcasting under, under flipping national, national disasters here. Things, things I do for the sport. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Bulls and Kharos Cup man of the match. Um, I'm feeling it. I think this is the, the this is when we end the streak. We're talking on the uh, before the podcast that yeah, uh, I won't be able to go to the game. Um, my my mother-in-law is coming, and yeah, the boys have tried to set me a challenge to try and get to the rugby, even if my mother-in-law is there. I don't know if these guys want me to be married by this time next year or not, but yeah, this is. <laughs> I don't think I can push my luck out too many times though. Short. Your his, your history says otherwise. Like any major <laughs> major thing through the year, it's a rugby game. I mean, if if you don't go to the rugby with your missus and the mother-in-law, then your missus is going to think there's something up, and that could pose a problem on its own. So don't change things up. Keep the same game plan. Now is not the time to change a game plan. Tournament is not won in December. You've still got the whole of next year to go, my man. Mm, okay, these these are wise words from from Sean here. Um, let's let's change. Tagged here, and let's go to the Challenge Cup and just look at the performance of the South African teams. Um, we'll start with um, the Cheetahs' victory over the Sharks. Cooks, yeah, you've been alluding to this for a lot of for a lot of the podcast. Um, Cohen Jasper getting the try in the last five minutes. Ryan Pinar um, kicking it over as well as the Cheetahs beat. You know, not even it's not a second string Sharks team at all. I mean, pretty much all of their Springboks played except for you know the ones that are injured. So. Cooks, this is your therapy session. Let it all out, man. It's just like, I think what hurts the Sharks at the moment is just like the confidence is so low, um, just closing out games and then close games. Those sort of, you look at the, the Cheetahs game, the Connacht game, the Zebra game, every time it's gotten close, it's, it's just the, the roll of the dust has not gone towards the Sharks and they're, not, they're just not closing out, just not closing out these games. Oh, wow. And it's... See again, I think it's Evan, that's Evan Elizabeth now, um, <laughs> and then um, I'm just they, they're just not closing out these games well enough, and and I think it's a confidence thing of like you look at for example the Stormers how how deep how how how, how much you know La Rochelle game they weren't playing well but they still find ways to win 
where the Sharks, because of the lack of confidence, it's almost like they're finding ways to lose. And um, like it's it, it's hard. I mean, it's been one. It's been one. I think what two wins this year or, or two wins this, this season. And and I really think that the Challenge Cup is a trophy that I wanted the Sharks to target to just at least bring back some good morale in the camp because obviously this is going to take a project. But it does look like the Sharks do need a few changes in a few positions. Um, like you know, I still think we need they need a twelve. Um, like they lose four. But I think the balance in the in, in the Lucy's. I mean, I love our Lucy's. Just the balance is like in the balance route. Um, uh, hooker is hooker is a, hooker is, a, is, a, is a big position for us, but um, which which is struggling with. I mean, we, I think we've been struggling with that since we lost Akafana Merver. Um, but like, so I think with the Sharks, it's, it, it's frustrating because you know it's a project. But also the problem is that this project is going so far backwards and there's getting losses. And the more we lose, the less confidence they have. I feel like I'm speaking about Chelsea because they're going through the exact same things. I get to watch this. I get to be stuck in a project for two different sporting teams every weekend. But um, so I do think they'll come right. But it's just, oh, Tyler, it's, just, it's so frustrating the way we've lost games. Can't close out games. Silly errors in the last five minutes. Against the cheaters, don't start well. Now you're 14-3 down get back into the game, then you make silly mistakes again just before halftime, concede a try. And you're thinking, jeepers, like, it's like two steps forward, four steps back. That's probably the best way to describe the Sharks. It's, it's huge that you mention, like, when, when the shit hits the fan that you've got something to draw on, some confidence somewhere. If you look at the Stormers on the weekend, they were in trouble and they managed to, to pull it out. The Bulls, even though it was their second string side, like, lost it at the end but they were in it and the sharks that's the thing though they they look when you watch them play and something just doesn't quite go their way you can see that it's just like weighing on them there's just that dark cloud following them around and they need to get out of it like the win this we this the season against the dragons like wasn't the most like awe-inspiring win in terms of like it was the dragons and it wasn't against like a, a big side that didn't like Put it all together against a big, big, big side, and and you know got something to draw on. So, yeah, it's going to be huge. The Sharks are still very much uh, in with a shot uh, in the Challenge Cup. I think they're still second on the log anyway. I know it's early days, but they've they managed to get two. Was it two points this weekend? Um, so, you know, that's yeah, that's that's probably the only sort of bonus they can take out of it. But losing to the Cheetahs when you should be beating them and um, you know, that's going to weigh heavily on them the next time they land up in, in trouble and need to pull out somehow. Like, you know, like, rugby is a game of moments, right? I mean, you look at the, the Bulls game, you cover the Dragons win, big win, lots of points, attacks coming to, attack is sort of getting better. You go against the Bulls, first 30 minutes, game is tight. You're thinking, oh, geez, the shark side is turning a corner. Fall asleep for about 20 minutes and then you get drilled by the Bulls. And then from there, it's just been like regression. And regression. Like, that's 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 the frustrating part. You can see the glimpses, you can see the good, but then it's sort of there's this little there's little moments in games, and we're losing all the big moments in each game. That's the that's the hard part of the Sharks is all the big moments this season they've, they've probably lost, and and that changes game. And they win like for example they win the zebra game. I know you never do zebra. They win the zebra game. They, or you come home, you beat Connacht, you close the game out. Then you're going into you you beat the Dragons. You go to the Bulls having won two straight. Now you lose the Bulls game. Now it's Step back, yeah, we got decent win the Challenge Cup, but then now the Cheetahs game, again, it's like four, yeah, we go forward to come back. And it's, that's, that, that's the thing. I just feel the Sharks are the only team, are probably the one team that desperately needs to win two games in a row. 
I have a question, and I didn't watch the game, but I honestly thought that Lionel Cronier would get some more game time over the past few games. How, how was, because I mean, he only came on very late in the game. Um, did Bosch have a decent game or what's happening? I mean, like that's, that's the thing. Uh, maybe something needs to change there. Maybe they need to start Lionel Cronier and just to change things up a little bit. But um, yeah, it's tough times. And the Sharks are going into a tough period of games now too, you know. It's almost, doesn't matter who you're playing, everything's a must win for the Sharks. Like you can't, they don't have an opportunity to blood youngsters. They don't have an opportunity to build a squad to do anything. It's, um, it's really worrying times for them. And if the season carries on the way it's going, there's going to be, they're going to be issues by the end of the season. Like, there's no ways they can go on and have a second season, third season like this with all the money they put in with all the players they've got and have zero to show for it. Like, absolutely nothing. No, I agree. I think, I mean, Bosch was, I mean, Bosch was okay. And then we get other glimpses of, of how good he is. But um, I'd love to see like someone like, even like Kronia or even Masuku. I'd love to see him get ever run. I don't know if he's injured, but I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't come, he hasn't, he hasn't got any game time yet. So I'd love to see him get a run. So I think, the shocks are in the place where we can actually experiment. If you, if, I mean, if you know you're rebuilding, I just, um, I do think that someone like Masuku, give him a run, see, see what he can do. Give, maybe give Kronia a start. Um, like, they've got to try something. I mean, something's got to change. Yeah, look, I also didn't watch the game, so <clears throat> I'm just looking at it from a stats point of view. But sure, if you, <laughs> the stats... The stats suggest the Sharks won by like 29 points to 7, not lost 32-29, because especially in the second half, that 73% possession and 60% territory, which is ridiculous. Sharks beat 33 defenders to the Cheetahs 9, which, yeah, obviously is wild. And in terms, obviously, that reflects in their tackle percentage. So the Cheetahs made 80 out of 113 tackles, 71%. The Sharks made 91% of their tackles, um, 88 out of 97. So stats like that, you'd think, okay, man, the Sharks probably walked this game pretty much, and obviously that's not the case. It, it, I mean, yeah, it seems like we've said similar things throughout the last few years. Problems at number 12 since Ronnie Anser van Rensburg went away the first time. Uh, problems with the loose trio. You know, we still are looking for that... Um, you know, that replacement um, for, for at blindside flank. Uh, what's the player's name that used to play at blindside flank? That actually was pretty good when he, when he left. But um, it's those... Vermeulen. So, yeah, went, well... Went to Exeter. Jacques Vermeulen, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's those sort of things that, are, that keep coming up. And I, it doesn't even seem like, just looking again, just statistically... Are the Sharks using, you know, their ball carriers from forward as much as they should? Like, are they, you know, shouldn't they use maybe someone like Ox and Itzabeth to carry more? Do they need maybe more of a ball carrier um, in their loose trio um, or someone just a bit bigger instead of maybe having Fenter, Pepsi and Noche in the same loose trio who in some ways are quite similar to, to each other. Like, they, there's not much are. difference between the three. It's the most unbalanced loose trio and we've been saying it for a while. They need, I mean, just stick a lock. Find your Ahern <laughs> and put him on the side and just tell him to tackle everything and carry and tackle. Like, then they need something. But the truth is, is they keep getting paneled each week 
but they seem to be putting out the same side over and over and over. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is Ronjans van Rensburg injured or has he been dropped? I, I personally think Francois Fences at 13. Yeah. Um, I would Especially rather we that. played, I would rather we play I'm at 12 and Fence at 13 if we have to play those two in the midfield. Um, you know, we've probably got more chance there. Like, I quite like Francois Fenter, but I personally would like to see him at, um, at, uh, at 13. But, yo, something's got to happen, but it's copy and paste from every podcast we do. <laughs> yeah, look, in terms of their season, look, the Sharks um, for the URC, they've got one win out of seven. And usually you need about eight wins or 40 points in order to qualify for the knockouts um, in the URC. So they'd probably need about seven wins from their next nine games. At least most of them are at home or in South Africa. But, you know, that's you're already facing an uphill battle, especially if they don't win against the Stormers in two weeks' time. I, you know, I don't know, Sharky. I kind of think maybe... I, I hear your must win, especially with the investment that they made, but maybe they should just go, you know, you are see we're going to use it to develop the youngsters. Let's see Masuka play. Let's see Ethan Hooker play at 12. Let's try to see, you know, what do we have with the, you know, our under 20, under 25 talent. And then the Challenge Cup is our, is the competition we go for. And we tried to win it. I think Toulon did something similar last season as well, because, Obviously, that will get you qualification for the Champions Cup, which I don't think is going to come from the URC at this stage. And it's big games that, you know, especially for the likes of likes of your Springboks, your Etzebets and your Oxes and everyone, they, they can get themselves up for. There's two things. One, I feel that this, this break before the Stormers game is, is huge for them. The other thing is, I, I don't agree with what you're saying in terms of them like, trialing one and focusing on the other because that's essentially yep. what they did last year. Last year, they, they kept chopping and changing the side and they just didn't gain any traction anywhere. It was, it was wild. Like we were calling last year for them to stick to a side and just work it, work it, work it. But this year they're doing it and like it seems like they've, they've taken everything they, they, they learned from last year and then not applied it this year. Like they haven't where there should have been a balance. There should have been some time where they should have tried out some new guys or done something. But I'm looking at that going and wondering like, what happened to the Sharks' depth? What, did, did, they, did they lose their depth from playing everyone out of form or playing everyone in form to out of form or, or ignoring them or what? Like, they don't seem to have the depth. And you would expect mm. the Sharks to be not necessarily, well, you'd expect them to be in a position that the Bulls are in but with the last couple of seasons, knowing what we know, like let them at least be close to that or kind of be where the Stormers are. But the Sharks have regressed. And the side that we were the happiest about, you know, the, the Bulls, when Jake White went, went there and made those decisions, we're like, cool, he's really pushing for depth. We can see it, but let's see if it happens. The Stormers were like, cool, we'll see what happens. And like, they must just go ahead and do their thing. And the Sharks, everyone was so pumped for it because They've got the money. They've got this change of leadership and new coaches, new this, new that. And you're expecting them to have this depth and have these players to draw on, and they just don't. But, yeah, let's also turn our attention to the Cheetahs. Obviously, they, they were the winners on Saturday. They've, <laughs> they're two, two wins out of two in their, um, in their Challenge Cup games. And given that they're not in the URC and pretty much don't play until, what, March, 
whatever the Curry Cup is, like they're doing really well. Cooks, I think you said on the group that they play less rugby than you do, and they're still managing to get a win on Saturday. <laughs> on, on Sunday. Yeah, they, they, they need to play like four games a year, those guys. I mean, and half of them is against Western Force. But, um, <laughs> but like, it's, it's incredible what the Cheetahs are doing. I mean, like you said, I mean, the problem of the Cheetahs, I think they're playing too well in the Challenge Cup. They might get kicked out again because that's how it works. The Cheetahs, you play well in the tournament and they get kicked out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's an incredible story. I mean, those guys are, I mean, they beat a very good, I mean, a very stacked shark side, full of internationals. And um, they just keep finding ways to just, keep finding ways to just, um, just, just, just to be better and improve. And, and, and they're still signing decent players. I mean, Johnny Rudolph was incredible on the weekend. Um, Ron Pinard looks like, I think I genuinely think Ron Pinard gets better every year. Like that's a weird, like a, like a thirty nine. Two hundred like, cap yeah. Springbok. He should yeah. be a two hundred cap Springbok. If he was like, like seven years younger and he was like playing when when Rossi took over, I mean he'd be in every Springbok squad, without a doubt. It looks like he's targeting twenty twenty seven World Cup. That's, that's what it looks like. <laughs> like I mean. I'm, I I support that. I endorse that one hundred percent. Go for it. <laughs> no, he's, he was incredible. But the, the cheaters, I mean, is incredible. I mean, that's 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 a hell of a story what they're doing. And like I said, I think for them it was massive to get the win over the Sharks. Two wins, two two wins out of two. They won last two games. They are two wins out of two. Yeah. I mean, the, it's yeah, it's it's um, it's it's incredible. Like to sit there, challenge cap against teams who play week in week out. Um, the the only play and, and for cheaters now is like you said, their next game now is in March or whenever Western Force fields are coming down to, to bloom. But um, so, so it's incredible the work they're doing, even though they, I, I, I don't know how they do it, having 9,000 pre-seasons, because it's all, it's all a stop start. So like, it's gonna, so, so, do they go back to pre-season now? Come back in, come back in Jan, pre-season again, game to play two games, and like, oh man, I do feel bad for them. But um, there has to be a way to get them involved in some sort of competition and, and or, Get those dogs playing week in week out because again, they all they do is deliver and, and win and win games. Yeah, so Cheetahs first round they beat a close to first string um, Zebra team and then they beat the Sharks. So if there was relegation or promotion in the URC, they would be making a very strong case as to why they should be um, playing um, more regularly or they should be playing in the URC themselves um, from next season. But yeah. They're playing well. I don't know. We should maybe find a way to get them into the Rugby Europe Super Cup with um, Black Lion. Shout out to them. They also got their first win um, in the Challenge Cup this year, um, or ever, actually, because they've just entered the competition beating Scarlets in Wales as well. So that's a brilliant result for them. Um, the only yeah, thing I worse think... than Sharks Rugby is Welsh Rugby right now. <laughs> you're, not, you're not far off. I, I, yeah. I mean... Wales is pretty used to having Georgia beating them now. So like they're now moving this domestically. But yeah, massive result for for um for for the Black Lions. It's now yeah. Yo, I don't know. Wales, you need another podcast to discuss that because I don't know where the hope or where the positives are really there. But yeah, good win for them. 23 points to seven as well, which is obviously quite um Dominant, apparently Luca Matkava, who played quite well in the World Cup, had a really good game himself too. Um, I think any of us watched, unfortunately, the Lions. I mean, they were playing Newcastle uh, at home. Sorry, sorry, sorry Rian. Yeah. We, Rian, we have to just bring you in for a five-minute Lions section basically every week. If you want to find out if you want to want to find out how the Lions did you find find Rian on, on YouTube, he'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, and shout out to him. It's rugby. 
um, YouTube channel in South Africa, at least uh, by far, by at far. the very least. The best. So, yeah, Lions played pretty close to their first team. They also have a two-week break um, up until their next game. Uh, yeah, really good game from them. I, I think a lot of positives in terms of just their performances. They seem to be still playing number 10. Um, Keon Horn's looking good. Uh, Richard Creel, my sneaky signing of the season's playing well. You know, they're not, yeah, you, there's not too much you can say wrong about them, Cooks. No, not much at all, Tyler, because, again, it just you can see the group is so much has changed this season. And because having, for example, players retaining, signing on, they're building something and they're getting better and better each year. They're becoming very, very hard to play in Joburg. Um, it's only a pity that only 2,500 people go watch them. But um, but again, move the damn state. Play somewhere else. Like, <laughs> we need to risk our lives to come watch a bit of rugby. Except for, except for Rian. He's, got, um, he's well known in those parts. They look after him properly there. <laughs> but, um, but like, I, I do think, you know, with the Lions is um, just the momentum they're building. I, I'm really excited to see how they go in these SA derbies coming up now. I think for them, it's, that's the big thing for them to sort of translate this form they've sort of built up into a big win against the Sharks, into a win, possibly a win against the Lions side or a Bulls side. So that's, for the, that's, that's their next big step and to see where they go from here and, and they can only get better and better. Lions getting past the Sharks. Oh, Lions finishing above the Sharks overall. Doesn't seem like a big hot take anymore. I think it's becoming more of like, a, I mean, this this is <laughs> this seems pretty possible now. It could happen, but yeah, they just seem consistent enough and good enough, and yeah, to to at the very least get themselves in the mix for the top eight. Um, yeah, their next game is actually in three weeks' time because they're playing the Sharks on the sixth of Jan. So yeah, a, 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 some some period of rest before they 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 get back to play the Sharks. Um, let's. Quickly just go through the other um, big Champions Cup and Challenge Cup games. I'll just um, go through the results. Um, you guys can let me know if you have anything you want to say about it, if you watched it or whatever. Northampton beats Toulon 22 points to 19. Um, as I understand, it's a big game for Courtney Laws. Alex Mitchell looked really good as well. Toulon, they, the fresh times are not doing too well in the, in the Champions Cup right now. So Toulon's also already on the brink of whether they qualify or not. Glasgow beating Bayonne, uh, 12 points to 11. They um, winning a close game there. Bayonne, obviously, the ones that drew against Munster uh, the weekend before. Uh, gents, anyone that watched the Friday games? Anything about Northampton or Glasgow? Courtney Laws is a weapon. Yeah, he could, he could still play some test rugby. He, he yeah, he's he's retiring way too soon. He's, he's, re- he's retiring way too soon. He be, I mean, geez, he was, he was, he was an absolute... Um, Absolute machine again. But um, no, no, no. Courtney Laws, he, he needs to retract that. <laughs> um, Borthwick, you have, you have one job before February. Um, Saturday, we moved to Saracens, um, you know, playing a basketball game effectively against Connacht. 55 points to 36. 13 tries in that game. Juan Martin Gonzalez looking fantastic. Nathan McFarlane doing offloads. Like, yeah, this is the Saracens I've dreamt of. I'm pretty happy about that. Um, the one funny thing I saw is that in Saracen's tweet congratulating Connacht for the game, they only had photos of their players congratulating Bandiaki. So I think Sam Roberts, friend of the show, was like, "Was Connacht? Was Connacht? Was Bandiaki the only player playing for Connacht this weekend?" <laughs> that was I incredible. Think he was, that judging well. by the performance. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, I could, I could 
back Aki to get 36 points for Connacht himself, actually, to be fair to him. So <laughs> it wouldn't be too far off, especially on the form he was in the end of, end of the World Cup. Um, we then had um, Bordeaux beating Bristol Bears. Bordeaux looking, sure, Bordeaux is actually looking pretty strong. Um, you know, they're playing pretty well in the top 14. They've, you know, really gotten big wins in their first two Champions Cup games. So they should be, Sean, I, I think they're well set up now to go quite far in the competition. And obviously they have enough talent and quality with the likes of Luku and Jalibe, Biabiani, um, Pino as well. Yeah, they, they're looking great. I was actually going to mention Bilbari and, and Damien Pino. They were flipping ridiculous um, on, on each wing. And Bordeaux are sneaky going to be a side you're going to watch out for. Maybe they won't go all the way, but they're, they're, they're the kind of side that are going to hurt someone else's um, chance, whether it's in the top 14 or in the Champions Cup. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also loving, I'm loving their, um, their loose trio. With Pete Samu at eight, the guys are, are working flipping hard. But Bordeaux are side to watch out for. Yeah, and Bordeaux are in the Bulls group. They play Saracens at home uh, when the Champions Cup comes back in Jan, and they play the Bulls in Pretoria. So if you're in Pretoria, I think get tickets for that game. If well, I don't know if Bordeaux take their first team there, but if they do, you can see Damien Pinot and Bierbani Cook um, on a high felt pitch would be amazing. Um, Leicester beat Sale 37 points to 27. Uh, yeah, this game probably should have been more like 37 points to 14 for most of the game. And then, yeah, Sale, I think, scored some late tries just to make the score respectable. Yeah. Uh, anyone, anything to say about this game? I, I thought Leinster would do a lot better against that Sale side. Um, Sale seemed to have, uh, have rested a few players. And um, for me, Leinster were going to absolutely trance them. But Sale were in the mix. They were in the game for long, long periods. Um, and I think it put Leinster under a bit of pressure. And Leinster are, I think they're beatable this year. Um, we haven't said that for the last couple of years, even though they have lost. But they, they look beatable. But having said that, they're obviously integrating everyone back in and they've still got to, got to take, their, take their chances and, and get their form moving forward. And obviously have Jacques Nino over there, which is the biggest difference of the lot, you know? I mean, yeah, but I think Sell did flipping well with the squad they put out. Cooks, I'm going straight to you for the next game. Bath beating um, Cardiff 39 points to 32. But Bath was struggling. They were losing to Cardiff for a lot of the second half. So, you know, Fraud Russell coming, striking out there again. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> well, why? Was he lost doing the play well? Someone else. It's, it's not for now. It's all saying it's back to Fraud Russell now because. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't. They, they, they couldn't. You got man of the match. <laughs> and the, because the, because don't, let, don't let facts get in the way of an agenda, Sean. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. I'll get back into my box. <laughs> no, because tell us, upset because um, is you you was hoping that uh, both actually end up losing to Cardiff was only there by default. Cardiff for the Champions Cup is like like me being invited to like I don't know like to like a wedding just because I happened to bump into the guy like at a party one day. Just like, I think you're like, do you mind just coming here? Put some extra space. Like, you might add value. Cottage is happy to be there, but um, but Finn is taking both back to the promised land and it's beautiful And it's beautiful to watch. It is beautiful to watch, Teller. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Shout out to Cameron Redpath. They had a pretty good game himself. Um, best Scottish player for Bath right now. Um, so we move 
on. Um, Ulster beating Racing 31 points to 15. Racing did send a pretty good team, so that's a bit surprising. And as we talked about last week, Ulster isn't really playing in, playing their best right now. I see Stu McCloskey was man of the match in this game on Saturday evening. Uh, Sean, I don't know if you watched or Cooks. I don't know if, yeah, if it's just Ulster's... Are they getting back to it? Is, are we going to start seeing the Ulster of old? Or is this just Racing being Racing and you know, looking like, eh, they couldn't be bothered really if they win or lose a game now. It was funny because, like you said, we've come into the pod, we said Ulster aren't playing well, and I thought in the weekend I watched the game, I thought they had a very, very good, probably the game of the season, actually. Um, and you can see they're sort of starting to find form again. Teller, we back up. Good times are back again. McCloskey, we, we, we're, gonna yes. see, we, we're getting our center pairing, our, center, our fair center pairing back, and it's, because it, 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 it is exciting because when, when those two are cooking, they're so good to watch together. But um, I do think also potentially could turn the corner. I think at the right time as well the season. It's it's funny how like the, it's it's funny how like these sort of the Irish teams. They, 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 some of them tend to start off really so like like Munster last season started off slow, but it's this is this is the time now where they, where they start picking up momentum, going into these Christmas games and then obviously coming into the new year, coming into the new year sort of flying like Ulster. Austin loves it, tend to fly under the radar, and I do think now they've sort of turned a corner, and, and that performance against the wrestling is going to be, is going to, I think it could, could be a catalyst for them to go on a, on a nice good run. Yeah, it's, oh, let's, let's, let's hope it, it does come together for them. I'm seeing too many Antoine Frisch shouts for number third, for, for Island 13. James Hume is the guy to, you should need to look at. Um, speaking of um, Antoine Frisch and Munster, they lost to Exeter 32 points to 24. Munster also in a bit in some deep trouble um if they want to qualify for the next round they have to start you know putting some results to or they have to get two results i think in the next two games um i watched at least a bit of this game it seemed it seemed like especially in the first half that Munster should win this pretty comfortably but they just kept letting us i mean exeter back in the game uh good game from tommy Aaron again he scored a really good try he's really looking good at number six um I think he's a nice mix of Omani and Tug Byrne. Um, and then the last try that um, Henry Slade scored, the intercept try, it looked like Conor Murray's trying to buy a penalty um, for one of the the Exeter players um, coming back on side. And Slade just read that that pass perfectly. It was Murray trying to pass from the base and trying to hit a hit an Exeter player. Slade was able to just intercept that ball and and go all the way for the try, like. Yeah, I don't know if anyone saw that game, but yeah, it's it it was a bit it was yeah uh, uh, an old fox outwitting another old fox there. One thing, and I didn't watch the game, but one thing I'll say is Henry Slade over the last couple of weeks has taken his uh, not going to the World Cup personally. Mm. Um, he has been incredible. Like he got that he slotted that kick last uh, last week to win it, and put in another massive performance for Exeter this week. So. Yeah, he's uh, he's really cooking at the moment. He's playing really well. Look, yeah, I mean, Munster, I don't know. Like, I think they just need a, a bit, like, the South Africans back um, at lock. I don't know if jean Klein's also now on the only playing World Cup years program that Arceus Neyman's on, but you don't really want Gavin Coombs playing at number four. Um, you know, yeah, they have so many good, good game, though, hey? He's good. Gavin he's Coombs a very good player. Top tackler comfortably so but yeah i hear you i hear you but it's just he put in a massive performance on defense yeah i think i don't know if it's players that are missing they're just not quite you know hitting the top straps yet 
and you know Munster, you know how much you know they, <laughs> this competition means to them. So it will be catastrophic if they don't make it out of their group. So they they need to find some form. They've got I think a game against Leinster and Ulster in the Christmas period as well. So they have two big games before they go back to the Champions Cup. Then um, Toulouse just thrashed Harlequins forty seven points to nineteen. Um, even Thomas Ramos was just sick and tired of all the Marcus Smith talk. I don't know if he read Stephen Jones' article and he just <laughs> roughed him up on the ground in one of the rucks. M- massive results. This is the Harlequins that won in Paris last week mm-hmm. and they got absolutely thumped at the stoop. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, to lose when they start cooking, they cook really, yeah, they cook five course meals. Um, Peter Aki played a really good game. Looked like, I don't know, Sean, I don't know if you watched the game, but there was a bit of a situation because Aki got a yellow card for a head hit and he went off the field to get an HIA as well um, with his yellow card. And he w- didn't come back onto the field in the 12 minutes. So these are 12 like real minutes, not game minutes, that you need to, to complete your HIA in, in order to come back on the field. And the fourth or the yeah, the fourth official told the referee about this, said, like, look, technically he's not really able to go on the field, but I guess the rule does offer some discretion for the ref. And the ref said, Ugh, it's fine. He was, I think it was only like a, a minute or so late. So he let him back onto the game, into the game. But yeah, I think that's an interesting rule that I wasn't aware of before that, before this weekend's game. Um, yeah. So the, just want to the, the time, the time frame set for the HIA and for blood, by the way. So mm. um, that's quite interesting. I didn't even pick that up. So yeah, I, I think I wasn't aware that the ref even had some um, discretion there. Barassia, a, a favorite of Sean, played really well. Manny Miafu, a future French 100-cap player, he played super well himself. Yeah, you're going to see him in the Six Nations squad for sure. Um, finally, Leicester beat Stud um, 27 points to 24. So that's a pretty good ga- a pretty good win, especially because Le- Leicester didn't play their first team. Yeah, gents, uh, there isn't really... Yeah, the, the, Champions, the Challenge Cup matches were pretty... Yeah, they, they were fine. Zebra winning away at Oyana and yeah, every other game except for Black Line, they were all home wins, including the Cheetahs beating the Sharks. Um, so yeah, the Champions Cup and Challenge Cup will have a break now for the next um in the next three weeks. We're gonna come back in the weekend of the twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth of January for the third round. And yeah, we'll we'll start gonna get the calculators and the abacuses out in order to see permutations as who qualifies, who needs to beat who. And all that sort of stuff. The Bulls are in a pretty good place. The Stormers have at least gotten the win here. So they they should be fine. Um, the three teams in the Challenge Cup should, you know, they, should, they I think they've done enough already to qualify. So it's now just about making sure that they get at least one more win and they're probably through. Okay, gents. Let's, we, we said we're going to just do a bit of a reflection on 2023. Obviously, it's a World, it was a World Cup year. So that's probably going to dominate a lot of, the discussion here for some of the best moments of the year. But Cooks, I want to start with you in terms of just best moments, um, you know, in rugby this year. You know, you have the Springboks winning their World Cup. You have Munster making the the away run um, to win the URC. You have Ntamak, um scoring that last-minute try for, um, for Toulouse in the French top 14. Um, you have Eddie Jones wearing a Cobra hat um, in a Sydney airport. You know, there's so many um, options to choose from. I mean, I think the box winning the World Cup is all number one, so you can put that off the table. I mean, <laughs> but um, uh, I think, like, for me, it's, I think my best moments of the year is all the menosars are done. 
that have done so well this year. You look at Fiji and Drew making the playoffs for the first time this year in Super Rugby. I mean, that was that was fantastic to see, and it actually led on to Fiji getting to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. I mean, probably expected to, but still, like building on that that momentum. I mean, you look at what Georgia did, getting their, I mean, I mean Portugal getting their first ever win in the World Cup. Like all the all the so-called middle sides, they all stepped up, and it and it just showed how how much the game is growing. And um, to, to to play and in Portugal also now they've got a game against the Springboks as well on, on top of that. So that just shows how far rugby has come this year. And that's been um that's been like the, the big highlight for me is the is the smaller sides doing well? Is those sides is those sides improving? I mean, all the winners are improving except for the Dragons, but that's a conversation for another day. I had to give them one last dig for the year. But um, but I must say my best moments. If I look back, it is definitely just the winner side, the Drua, uh. Fiji, Portugal, that, 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 that's been a big highlight of my year. Sean, on your side, any other moments you want to highlight from the year? My big highlight of the year was Sia Khaleesi getting injured. That, that <laughs> injury and that comeback was, we, we well, all wrote good, it off. We, good, we good wrote save, him good, off. Good save there, Sean. I was like, where are you going with this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking about that whole, that whole moment, that whole, that whole yeah. time frame. Like, the the there was like just code silence around anything about his injury. We were all hearing stuff via 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 someone who is a doctor kind of heard about it something and that he would be out for the World Cup and there was no ways he was going to be back. Like we heard nothing official, nothing at all. And um and then he came back and like I mean we wrote off our whole World Cup. We didn't know what we were going to do. So there's that. And the other thing was Jesse Creel and Manny Lebok to. Probably, I don't know, not the most hated, but two guys that that really like no one said that they were good enough to be to be anything in the spring box. And they both came up and just performed. And uh yeah, those were my moments. I mean, Cooks, you you nailed some good ones there, some other stuff, but I tried really hard to think about this and all I could see was green and gold there. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I don't blame you, Sean. I don't blame you at all. Yeah, we are about, what, three, four or five months removed from um, Jacques Nienaba choosing, what, eight scrum offs, nine wings, one okay. hooker for that Do you remember that? squad as well. Jeez. Cooks, Cooks, you were there and you told us there were going to be four scrum offs and we were like, what is this cuck? Can you remember? No. Tyler, I distinctly remember, I distinctly remember you. You were just like, you were shocked, man. You... You were just like, this is shit. It's all going to go downhill from here. What are they doing? I mean, we as, recorded a podcast like an hour you know, or two after the announcement. <laughs> no, as, I said then, as I said then, and I say it now, clearly I don't understand rugby because, yeah, picking four <laughs> scrambles and two, two hookers, you're going to World Cup still. Yeah, and we played all my, four of them in one game. And all four of them ended up playing one game. Also, don't forget, this is the year of the 7-1 split against, against, against the All Blacks. And then, and then mm, in the final... Twice. Seven one split with no scrum off. <laughs> I think the flipping the flipping the flipping balls on Rassi and Jacques are probably the best moment of this year. The number of times, and the funny thing is, last night because a mate of mine actually got back from England, he's he's home for the holidays, and we were talking about if if Jacques Nineveh and Rassi Erasmus were Kiwi or or coaching Australia or coaching England, they'll be seen as like I mean outside of Africa, they'll be talked about as these flipping innovators. They'll be doing TED Talks, uh, how they change the game. But just because they're from South Africa, <laughs> they're ruining the game. We're cheating. This, this, and this. I'm like, this was, 
like, and, and he drove me crazy because my mate was like, my mate said, and he made such a great point. He's like, we actually taking the biggest gamble, the safe place to go five three split. How can it be called cheating if we are going? We if we lose a backline player, we're pretty much fucked. But we're gonna take that gamble anyway. But then it's like because it pays off, and it's like, you know, I don't know, you cheating. I'm like, how's that cheating? It's not like they said if we pick seven one split, you can you have to pick seven one split as well. Like it doesn't work that way. But it's funny how I genuinely think if they were like if this, if New Zealand did something like this, I mean. It'll be, it'll be spoken about nonstop. It's all we hear about how the genius age. I'm like, but just because, unfortunately, they're from South Africa and world rugby hates us, now we cheat. <laughs> another, another moment, and it's, it's not a dig. It sounds negative. It's not. But another massive moment, uh, something that sticks out for me this year, was, was Leinster losing in the URC and then losing in the Champions Cup. Last year, it happened and everyone was like, whoa, you know, it's a blip on the radar. It's nothing. But then they went on and also got nothing out of this year, which when we went, whether you didn't know anything about European rugby or not, we went into the URC. Everyone knew that Leinster were the most dominant team without a shadow of a doubt. They were dominant in Europe um, and uh, they were the most dominant in, in the Pro 14 in the URC. And then, you know, last year, I mean, that was a massive surprise because everyone knew that Leinster were hurting from the year before, so they weren't going to be slipping up against any side, especially against La Rochelle, where you're like, cool, Leinster know how to do it. Like, they seem to have the smartest minds that will be able to unlock everyone, but they didn't. So I thought that was quite a massive, massive moment. And it, I think it has changed the landscape of the URC and, and European rugby for a while, I think that people don't fear Leinster like they used to. And made it competitive. I mean, Sean basically yeah. calling Leinster the blues of the URC. Um, but yeah, I think it's good that they didn't just run away with the first two competitions like the Crusaders do in the South. Um, I'm not going to ask you for your play of the year. I mean, that was Adi Sevilla. There's obviously some South African um, players you can put in that conversation as well. Um, Cooks, I'll start with you. The player that changed your opinion or you really like impressed impressed you the most. I'll I'll try to stay with the box theme. I mean, obviously Dion Free, I think, almost had the performance of the year, being able to survive 70, what, nine-ish minutes um, in the World Cup final at Hooker. Um, throwing was still a bit dodgy, but I mean, just being able to do that was a massive call that I don't think anyone would have picked you know, a year ago, this time last year. Um, you, yeah, you can also just talk about, I think there was, there's the, the, the um, when we talked about Fiji earlier, I was just thinking about how good Nice level was in, in the midfield for them and that he really was the guy almost like carrying them into a, a World Cup semifinal for the first time. But yeah, Cooks, is there a player that you think has either changed your opinion or you've grown to appreciate like a lot more than you did before this year? This, this is going to sound funny. Um, you know, I, I, I've always, when Peter Steph Tutoyo got all those injuries, um, there was a part of me, I'm like, man, is he going to ever get back to his best? He comes back, he gets injured. Is he, he, like, he's still good, but like, are we ever going to get the best in the world, Peter Steph again? And, and, and when I saw him, obviously in the World Cup, what in the final, when I say, I learned to appreciate him more, and I'm like, Peter Steph is like, you said like the fact that he closed the door on the John Smith Peter K, Peter Steph Tutorial conversation, just shut that door down. Like it, it, case closed. Like it was a bit. And also it's like 
Peter Steff is one of the best players in the world. Like, at his best, there's not many rugby players in the world better than him. And I'm like, to see him go back there, I just appreciate the fact to go cheapest. Like, we sit in a situation where we have a guy who's arguably, and, and when he's at his ultimate best, he's arguably the best player in the world. And he's one, one of the world player of the year. And he's, he's doing this after basically being stop-start for the last four years. That's, that's someone that made me really, really, like, it, it made me really, really, like, appreciate him and just, just that, that reminder of Peter Stephens be like, man, this guy is just, just still got it. And I think also the other one is Sanilo Nohamba. Just seeing, and it's just been, since, since obviously he's got to the lines and we always knew the talent was there. And obviously the Sharks game time and there's a lot going on there, the Sharks, but, not, but seeing with the lines and also now ending it off playing 10, the way he controls that side, the way he runs that side. And it's unfortunate that we've got a 9 million scrum offs. That doesn't that doesn't help anything because there's so many good scrum offs who aren't who could be Springboks. But Sanil Nohamba for me is just the way he's come, the way he's come and um, just dominated and shown and show that what a class player is. The talent's still there. Came in, came to the lines, running the show, playing nine or ten. So those two are, are the two players I'd say I probably grow to appreciate a lot more this year. My guys, my South African guys are Kirkley Aronser and Cannon Moody. Before the World Cup or at the beginning of the year, we knew they were talented and everything, but we knew that if we made a World Cup final, we'd want like Mapimpi on the one and Colby on the other. But it got to a stage in the World Cup where if they named Kirtley Arantz or Moody on the wing, it didn't really matter. It was like, it was personal preference as opposed to form or anything like that. So those two guys really like, they ramped it up big style. Um, and I mean, to think that they've got so many more years of rugby left in them is, is amazing for, for South Africa. And the other one, a person that I thought fended off a lot of shit, but really came into his own during the World Cup was Ben Earl at eight for England. Um, <laughs> there were so many issues with that. And there were so many issues with Dom Brunt and who they were going to put at eight, where they're going to put Vunapola at eight and whatever. But Ben Earl, when he got, got a chance and then he just absolutely started dominating, like he was playing incredible rugby. So I thought that was, that was a guy who really, really cooked and sort of changed things from a club to an international point of view. Quick shout out also for me, uh, for Richie Mwanga and Shannon Vizal, looking like, you know, test level, world-class players in their position. And they're now leaving to Japan, like... Just the All Blacks luck. I don't know. If, Forever. I think it, it might be. I think those will be the two players that force a rule change. I genuinely think that's one of the things that we'll start to see in 2024. Um, let's see. Yeah, let's make some predictions or like let's just look forward into 2024. My prediction, or I think it's more of a plea for 2024, is World Rugby. I'm just going to ask you to be, I'm just going to ask for one simple thing. Just work with, you know, all the nice social media and YouTube and whatever talent that you have because our game isn't going to survive if you guys are going to be so draconian with all your copyright strikes and limiting the, like, the content on rugby on, 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 on the internet. It's, gonna, it's not going to grow like that. Like, we're not, a, we're, not, we're not football. We're not a big sport. We need as much support as possible. And even if it is... I'm not saying turn up our complete blind eye, but rather work with, you know, the content creators. Obviously, the World Cup is a bit of a shamble because 
you know, we couldn't, you know, they, you know, the like the likes of Squidge and other great channels couldn't really do any deep analysis on the games or reviews of the games because of the whole world rugby copyright situation. So I'm, I think I'm talking to a wall probably because you know world rugby isn't necessarily the most responsive, um, responsive body in the world. But please, please try to be better on, on with with that, especially if 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 we're gonna take this game anywhere. That's yeah, we we need to fix that. Sean, any predictions or any things that you want to see in twenty twenty four? I want to see more drop goals and more tap and go penalties. Hmm. Set moves. Love it, love it. It's coming back. Like we, the drop goal went AWOL for many years because, like, dare dare I say it? But the gods of rugby in New Zealand were like, that's a load of shit. We'll never do drop goals. And um, and our drop goals are back in the mix, and it's flipping amazing. It changes it changes things. It changes the way teams restart and what they do, um, and set up on defence. And the tap and goes also another amazing. Amazing little bit of strategy. Um, it can go either way. It's not a foregone conclusion. So more of that for me. Yeah, I think this usually happens with the drop goals. Like before and after World Cups, they become a craze. And then obviously like by 2025, 2026, we just forget about them for two years until we come back in the World Cup. Like, oh yeah, you know, that that's a good way of getting three points and then another team's half. Books? I mean, well, before I say what I want to see in 2024, I want to say what I don't want to see. I don't want to see Eddie Jones again in 2024. I don't mind going <laughs> a whole year and, or just not hearing from him. Like, he's fine there in Japan. Um, the, so, oh, sorry. The best moment, one of the best moments this year was that one Aussie commentator who flew to Japan for his, for his <laughs> unveiling to go and troll him and ask him if he feels guilty. <laughs> That was that was incredible. Like the only Australian um, like journalist, in the, he's like, "I'm going to Japan and I've got questions." But um, what I do, what I do want to see in 2024, I think a couple. I mean, I would love to see like teams sending down like European teams sending down just big, just just bigger crowds in South Africa. Like we saw what, how amazing the vibe was when Munster brought their fans out for the for the URC final and integrating. With, with the Africans and 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 Stormers fans, meaning Monster fans, and I would love to see a little bit more of that. Um, that's something I love to see. I also love to see more games between the Tier Two sides and the Tier One sides. I mean, especially come end of the year tour. Like, yes, yes, it's so, yes, it's great to to watch all the big boys play. It, it is great, but also we do the likes of Portugal and like Fiji. They do deserve a game. Fiji does deserve a like I'd, like d- deserves an end of year tour or or Wales, Argentina, or Springboks, or Australia going down to Wales for a test, to Fiji for a test, and things like that. So that's that that's that that's what I want to see more of. And I think because like 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 you said, like just like drop goals, everyone is like loving the tier two sides, and they show that they want a chance. And what happens is they all right, they think about them the first year of the World Cup, after the World Cup, and they three years basically they know it, they know it to see, and they know in the radar. So that's what I'm that's 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 what I hope to see. I think. Just start it more, and like even if like it's you're sending like a it's a a size, and even that is something I, I would like to see again. I, I do just enjoy those those a team tours, and um and apparently they, I think this year we are also launching a under twenty rugby championship, which is long overdue. 
Um, but yeah, those are the things that I, I do want to see. I think because the game is, a, I mean, it's been a tough year for rugby. Like if you look at the ter- in terms of like the like English teams and te- and teams closed shutting down doors, World Rugby not actually allowing people to post, send content. But also, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of good happening in the game, and we just had arguably the greatest World Cup ever. That's the momentum we need to build from, and there's more eyes watching. Let's build from this World Cup. And um, yeah, and, and 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 make the game get better. Surely that surely that should be the goal. Yeah, it's it's a great that World Rugby hasn't started a competition in which only the top ten teams or top twelve teams <laughs> would play with each other for the whole year, and that there's no promotion or relegation. So it means that you know we'll never see a Portugal versus South Africa game unless it's in the World Cup. So, Cooks, I think that's a great point. I think Tier Two Rugby will get its place in the sun then. Yeah. Um. Man, one. One thing I'm going to try to promise myself is I'm not going to speak about 2027, at least until 2026. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to speak about the World Cup. I'm just going to, you know what this last four years have, have taught me? I mean, Ireland was fantastic in the last four years. We've been speaking about how good they are. France have been great. And now they're failures because they didn't win well. And obviously, yes, the, the World Cup champions are the World Cup champions. But, you know, I just enjoy the game. Like, it, like especially in the early part of the World Cup cycle, it's not about 2027 it's not about you know winning the world cup it's sometimes just about hey look ireland wants to win a test series in south africa or france wants to win another grand slam or australia wants to win a rugby game in general like i think i'm going to try as much as possible not to say look at world cups or look at anything like that for 2027 just see who's playing enjoy it have some fun 2026 maybe be like oh are we still playing why why is Ibn Itzbeth playing at 81 years old? Then you can have those types of conversations. But yeah, I think not everything has to be a four-year cycle. Like if it works, it can work for one team as it has for the Springboks, it's great. I mean, the Springboks also showed that they were basically one point away in three games from it not looking <laughs> as good. So, you know, these four-year plans, if, if the four-year plan is coming down to an ankle tap here, a goal kick here, a Chase and Colby charge down here. Like, you, you know, it's, it's good planning, but it's also, it's, it's like getting exactly 50 for an exam. <laughs> each, each time you've like, well, the plan worked, but tell you, you're right. It's, I was thinking about this as well. Like, how do you prepare? Like, what's the, like, what's the, like, for example, like Ireland, shame, you don't know them, but like for them, it's like, I'll be seeing them like, I don't know what to do. Like, are we going to go, <laughs> will the team for the, the same we tried? Or are we going to see how far we can go with these guys playing for the next two years and then sort of integrate them? Like, are we going to try and, when you try to peak? Because I mean, like, they've tried everything. They've done, and still got the, got the same result. But like, it, it, it is interesting how, like, like if, you look at the, if you look at the landscape of the international teams, they're all in like different places where it's like, it doesn't make sense. Where like, look, look at the All Blacks, brand new coaching staff. Raises there, but there's no Barrett. Uh, Aaron Smith leaves. Um, Mo, I mean, I mean Barrett's back in, but, but Moanga's gone, and like Frizzell's gone. And you're like, you, like, and I was like, it reminds me when Heineke Mayer took over the box for for himself four years too late. Yeah. It's like so that you look at like England. England's also they, they they're transitioning. How long is Farrell gonna play for? Uh, Borthwick, what's the, how how's the time to play? The Wallabies, they didn't even have a coach. Um, like. Um, that's why a part of me still thinks that Rusty saw the landscape and he went, we, we, we actually can get a three-peat. 
we're probably the best place out of any other side bar France, who's young and the guys are coming back. So it's, that's a strange thing. So it's, it's going to be an interesting for you. And next year's going to be very interesting, especially because I'm very keen to see where, like, how, where, like how, how these teams set up for, how these teams set up next year for the international teams. But, um, but yeah, you're right. I think the best way to do it is to enjoy it. Just, just, just enjoy the Test Series for what it is. It's not, if Ireland win, again, if Ireland win the Test Series against Brimbox or we win, it doesn't mean anything about 2027 because by that time, Russell, we, we're playing 8-0 splits, asking for an extra back, asking <laughs> for extra reserves. Like, can we have nine reserves because I want to I pick nine forwards? But, um, yeah, I think you're all right. And like I said, and, and it's an incredible June window coming up. And, yeah, oh, and also, until I just really want to see, I would love to see us on the African side, whether the Bulls or Stormers go deep in the Champions Cup. I think for us, that's going to be, that's the ultimate test. Um, so I'd love to see one of those, because you're right, it, 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 the Stormers and Bulls are probably just below the top tier, and I, and I'd love to, and like now, now Rochelle looks like they're a little bit dip off, I'd love for some either Stormers or Bulls sort of like make that next step, get into a Champions Cup semi-final or possible final. Yeah, look, every year, especially with the European competitions, the year after the World Cup is the best year to make a, a run, because uh, you're obviously the good teams don't have their best players for, you know, a, a lot of rounds. So they have to still do catching up from there. They're still trying to work out everything. Like teams like Leinster, they have just put in a new coach. So now that's, they're also trying to figure that out. Toulouse is, you know, Toulouse is one of the powers. They're now going to lose Antoine Dupont basically after the next game. So there's an opening there for any team to really go far in the Champions Cup. Obviously the South Africans, disadvantaged by the fact that they can't have a semi-final um, in South Africa. But, you know, for the Storms and the Bulls, they're in a position where they can hopefully top their groups if they um, win the next two games. I would go for it. Um, try to see if you can top the groups, get a last 16 and a quarterfinal game at the very least at home. And then it's just two wins away that you have to try and, um, or two, a win away and a win in a neutral place. You have to try and, and, and work out so there is an opportunity to make a run here. And, you know, the, the big three aren't looking, they're not looking at their strongest right now because, you know, Toulouse is going to play whoever and um, Ramos at nine and 10 this, for the rest of the season. La Rochelle is still trying to find their, their feet. They still aren't really playing their best. Aldridge's not back yet. Leinster's still, you know, trying to figure out which of Ryan or Ringrose is going to challenge coaches to fights and all that sort of stuff. So it's, yeah. I think there is a big opportunity to have, you know, at least big quarterfinal games at Loftus and at in Cape Town as well. And because as we talked about, for the Sharks, this is the competition you go for. Give 100%. Durban at least a few big knockout games, you know, especially once the once you get into the quarterfinals, you'll be facing pretty good sides. So this is the this is the the competition to really flex a little bit of their financial muscle and you know, there's no reason why the Sharks can't get themselves to Tottenham to to, to the final um, in a few months' time. I'd love to see. Tottenham. <laughs> I'd love. I think um, European rugby's worst worst nightmare is if like if the finals are Bulls and Stormers. They're like, I don't care if it's you're not playing this final in South Africa. I'm not bringing yeah, this trophy down here. The Champions Cup. They're like, no, 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 no. It's gonna be shut down. Yeah. <laughs> like, neutral venue. Oh, you're playing in Georgia. That's where the finals gonna be. Enjoy. Take all your fans <laughs> with you. No, but um, but you're right. I think it's 
it, it, it's such a difficult competition to win. And um, I think, like, I'm, I just really hope, like I said, that it's the Africans, we do buy into this competition. And, and, and I think the URC, that's the hard part is we don't, like, you know, the general public, you know, you, you, like, they, they don't, like, they're still trying to get to learn the French, the, I mean, like the, the, the Welsh teams, the, I mean, the Italian teams. Those aren't well-known sides because, for example, like we, don't, we don't play Italy every year. Like, we play the All Blacks every single year. That's what we, we've known for so long. And, and I think people tend to forget that. Like, we, be, we became so familiar with Super Rugby because that's what, 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 that's what we grew up on. It's all we ever knew. So now with URC and, like, Champions Cup, and, and, I, and I'll say this to, to, to Manx on the weekend, I'm like, guys, we, we're in the best competition in the world. There's, there's no, like, arguably as, I mean, comparable to, like, Super Rugby back in his, at his heyday. But I say even better the quality was in terms because we've also added to that quality as well. So it's like, it's like taking, I'll say that when I describe it, it's like take Super Rugby, but then you add in like Toulouse. That's where we like, like, like Leinster, like that's where we are at the moment. And, and, I, and I do hope that um, like we just, we've got to embrace it and know we're in the best competition in the world and it is very difficult to win, but I'd love to just see the African side go deep and just use the momentum obviously going into the season. But, and also I'd love to actually see for us to find a way to, get the Bok players to rest and find a way for this calendars to align because like you said, it's not sustainable to have Oaks playing a full winter season, uh, a full I mean, European winter season straight into a full Southern Hemisphere season of playing all the yeah. championship games. It's just not, it's just sustainable. And yes, in the, the World Cup, it, it, World Cup was a benefit, but again, you look at someone like, we still, we still had injuries and things like that, but like, it, this can't, it can't keep going on like this because in, um, like you can't have our Springboks is playing nonstop over and over and over and over and over. So yeah, I think that's my that's my hope that we find a way we find a way to get a draw. Yeah, and I think you know it just makes the coaching job even more difficult for Erasmus. I was thinking about this like the Springboks still. <laughs> There's so many things with Springbok with South African rugby that aren't really working at optimum right now. Like we still are trying to figure out the um, the rugby calendar. I think we've just now moved the the Curry Cup as much away from the RC as possible. We still have pretty much a disadvantage with you know the players playing rugby almost all 12, 12 months of the year. There's obviously still you know essentially only four professional teams that we have. One of them ran out of money up until recently. The other was by like paying people in hot dogs. Like, there's still so much that isn't really going well, and like the Springboks <laughs> won two regular yeah. cups in the middle of that. So you know, it's 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 great for them. Like, this is hopefully the time now. I guess the, maybe the one positive is the this um this new competition, this um World um Champions Cup, whatever you want to call it. Um, world Championship, like hopefully there is some negotiation to try and move the rugby championship. It doesn't look like it'll happen anytime soon, but rugby championship unfortunately needs to move to March, April. Um, and we move, yeah, and hopefully the rugby championship and the Six Nations happens at the same time. And yeah, that will, you know, hopefully just make things at least better for South Africa. But until then, so I've got, the, the Springboks just have to figure out how to work this out. And it does, does take away from the RC, unfortunately, because we just 
almost never see strength versus strength um, with the overseas URC's teams. So you'll never see the best of Leinster against the best of Stormers and all that sort of stuff. So we need to figure those those sort of things out in the next in the next year or so. Um, the other thing I want us to figure out is hopefully that there's more um, professional women's teams in South Africa. So the Bulls mm. have obviously um, got us going with um, professionalizing their union. The the Daisies, geez, I don't even know what you call it. It's the seventy two ten um, Chicago Bulls or Michael Phelps at the two thousand eight Olympics. <laughs> they just dominated um, rugby this year. So they're they're going far. Um, they they they've got um, the, the the structures right. So yeah, hopefully, especially with the the unions, well, the 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 franchise that they're making money. If there is opportunity to try and at least get the program going, then let's go for it. Like. Yeah, I was. I think I was saying in the last podcast with Sean with the the women's sevens team, we can only, especially as fans, they, they you can't really complain about the women's game that the women's box team isn't as good as the men because we don't give it enough resources. So this is now hopefully where we realize, okay, we put some resources into this. Hopefully, in eight years, we can start you know being in near the top end. So. Yeah, hopefully more um competitions. Shout out to Supersport for you know playing at least one game a weekend, um, if I'm not mistaken, on on TV. So it's starting to come together. It's now just you know those things in South African rugby that still aren't really going at 100. percent This is yeah, these are the things that if we can just solve it, you know, get you know men and the men's and women's game you know as a, as effective and as efficient as possible. We you know there's the the we've been so we've almost doing this almost out of like um raw talent in a way. And obviously we have like someone like Rassi in the men's game and, and we've had obviously great coaching with like the likes of Powell and Paul True in the men's blitzbot game. So imagine we do this and we have a good rugby structure, you know, like the islands and the Frances have. Like, you know, we dominate. It's yeah, 100%. similar to like Brazil like, and Yeah, like it's like, yeah, it's just a great point. It's like <laughs> We almost like just we just like believe in our grind. Like we don't need structures. We just like hey, we should have, we should have factor <laughs> of players coming through, and work. And, and and like you're right because like it's, it's obviously I mean obviously I mean like for example like the first person to identify that was Rassi and Jacques right with the and the, and, and the programs they put in place and Jacques mentioned like how some of the guys you started working with them when they're 18, 19 already. That's when they were identified. Like and you, and you see the result of that now is obviously the guys when the World Cups. I think. But there's still a lot more that can be done. Like, you know, you look at like a, you, look, you look at an island, for example. They, they just the way that their rugby program has been put together because of the numbers and the players that they just turned out, like Leinster, the academy, the players that guys just walk in from the academy and, and become very good domestic players. And and yeah, we got incredible coaches. I think that's the biggest thing we have is having incredible coaches that's helped us. But like, imagine things that you add a structure to that where that and the women's game where we just add that 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 structure and more and it's getting better and um but i think on the men's side i think the our, our ability just to obviously constantly have players coming through and is is something that um is 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 something that is something it's something that will always be a bonus to us like you watch you go to schools game watch a lot of schools rugby and you're like jeepers but like like you go like will, will, will this factory ever stop because these guys mm-hmm. coming out of school ready to go straight into, like ready to go straight into urc and you think to yourself like man like and then you blink, and then a Cameron Hanukkah comes through. Like, where did he come from? Like, and like, there's like, like you look at like teams like like the All Blacks going like 
just borrow us a, a blindside flank. Just give us like, like give us like, like Eric Lowe or someone. Like even the one starting. Like just give, and like that's that, that's the thing. So I think it'll be interesting to see that how those structures will and we implement them and get them better. Because you're right. If we get that right, we'll, I don't think we'll never lose a World Cup. We'll never lose a Test match essentially. Yeah, but yeah, 100%. like I think the Springboks. I mean, the South African rugby. There's still it's it's yeah crazy to say, but there's still so much room to to go from as well. Yeah, in terms of the Springboks, yeah, like I said, with the whole non-talking about 2027 theme, Rusty, you've got all the chips on the table. Go for it this year. Like, let's go for an unbeaten year. You may as well. For a few reasons. Number one, if Ireland wins that series in July, we know that Ireland's going to say we're actually the World Cup champions because we beat the Springboks in the World Cup. We beat them at home as well. You're going to hear that talk. The the Irish Ben Smith, whoever that is, is then going to come out with tweets saying the box of frauds and all that sort of stuff. The only, the reason why, because this happened in the 2020, well, 2021, I guess, but the when people can can call your world championship into question is if you don't back it up the next year. So the best way to back it up <laughs> is to win every game. And then no one can say anything. I'm going to save all my money to get to that Cape Town test match. So, yeah, I'm hoping for big things in that box or blacks game. Is, and we're also going to see... Is, it, is, there when you, is there when your wife's birthday is? Doing the for the dinner weekend. <laughs> I'll have to see. It's probably anniversary or birthday, something like that. We'll see then also if for Razor, what's his um, policy on breakdancing is for the All Blacks? Is it every test match win? Is it for trophies? What what what's his what's his policy? I think it must be every series win. So um, I mean, I, I, I think it's every series win and trophies because you know, like international rugby, there's like sixty-four trophies. You play against everyone, you win a trophy. <laughs> so I mean, I, I I need to have I need to have to see the same energy when if he wins the Freedom Cup, I need to see him break dance. Otherwise, I'm gonna call it I'm gonna call him a fraud. <laughs> oh, he's gonna be break dancing for oh, he's gonna break dancing every Test match, like you said, like every match is a you get a trophy in world rugby these days. But yeah, Springboks go all out, man. Just win each and every game, like. Cooks, I, I think we talked about it earlier. If the big dogs don't want, uh, like, don't play this year, that's also fine. If they do play, let's go for it. Like, this could actually be a nice year for if there are players that are like on the fence about twenty twenty seven and they want to retire. Like, give them this year. Say to them, look, you'll play every game. This is almost like your farewell tour or whatever, guys. This is a new challenge. Like, let's let's do the twenty eleven to twenty fifteen run that the All Blacks had and just completely. Let's just win ninety percent of our test matches. Why not? So this is the time for for that to happen. Hopefully, there's no global pandemic that tries to stop that as well. Yeah, I I'm, I think I'm really excited for international rugby, even for the Six Nations. Like, I think all six teams are obviously because they didn't win the World Cup, but all of them have narratives and reasons why they they're angry, reasons why they're pissed, and reasons why they they feel like you know they can play a lot better. So that first game between Ireland and France on the Friday. I think the first Friday of February is going to be epic. Ooh, it's going to be, going to be absolute. Huge. It's going to be a bruiser as well because both teams obviously feel like they, you know, were you know a few seconds away from making a semi final and winning, and winning a final as well. So <laughs> that's going to be an epic competition. England, England, Scotland. Well, England feels like obviously they went all all the way to a semi final and they could have made a final. Scotland and Wales feel like they underperformed. Italy disappointed themselves in the big games in the World Cup. So that Six Nations is going to be absolutely feisty. Oh, it's going to be amazing. And you're, Because you're right, because there's all these genders. England, what's England going to build? Uh, how are they going to come out from the World Cup? France, 
they're going to be raging coming out of the coming out of that loss. And Ireland's pretty things. I think yeah, that this might be the most fun Six Nations in a while. Wales is just trying to find players. Um, like they're going to ask George North and Toby Felletel to go on one more run. Like give me another four years, boys, please. You got another four <laughs> years. <laughs> I can't see Warren Catlin going to 2027. I can't see it. Um, I think he's done by next year. I mean, 2025. I can't see him doing this for four years. I genuinely, can't. I, I genuinely can't. Um, but I do, I'm very excited about the Six Nations next year. I think it's, I think it's going to be a goodie. And then yeah, just I think just to round out any funny moments from 20 from 2023. I mean, we've talked about Eddie Jones, and <laughs> I don't even know what you call that year that he had with the Wallabies, like. Just an absolute, what a mess. Like, good for podcasters, I guess, but just an absolute mess from week one to to the end. And yeah, I'll be definitely listening out for if Tom Deason's going to follow Eddie Jones to all of his press conferences in future as well. <laughs> like, I that man think, is ready. No, he's ready. Doesn't say, I think that's my, like, moomish of the year is probably, is probably <laughs> it has to be Eddie Jones. Like, just, you know, just from... Eddie Jones and Australian rugby, actually, as a whole, from Dave really being sacked after having a camp in January, sacked. Eddie Jones comes back, signs for four years, says, I'm going to change Australian rugby. You're going to win. Makes all those adverts about, about like, 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 what did your dad say? Like, he says, the Wally's going to win the World Cup. Like, thank you. And like, extra motivation. Like, they're not going to France for croissants. All the, all, everything. The, you guys are negative. Negative. Like, just, Everything in it, and then leaves, and then look, and then he says, "I'm coming to Australia. I'm not going to Japan. It's I find it insulting." You know, that was a question. Then he goes to the team that was. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on with this guy? Oh, and now like Australia's ending the year. They have no coach. They're still looking for like a director of rugby, and it's just their best players going back to league. I'm just like. Australia, they played a test match at Opus 4 in the morning. Australia needs Australia to... I think Australia must take a gap here next year. Just just go find yourself. Just go is, and ask, is rugby union really for us? Yes, we have two World Cups. Great. Then, then, but let's enjoy it. Like, is it really... Like, is, is rugby union really for us? Like, after this year they've had, they need to, I just think, just go... We're not playing any games next year. No, super, we just wanna we just wanna find ourselves just for a year, just to just to just to think, loan out their players to other super super rugby sides and URC sides, and just and just breathe. So I think I think they need to they need to take a year off and just process what's happened to them this year because there's not one good thing that's come out of Australia this year. Like I can't remember a good story that's come out of Australian rugby this year. Yeah, shout out to their sevens, their women's sevens team, which is yeah, absolutely the, yeah. brilliant. Their women's sevens team actually is. Is the is the, they the they the they the they the absolute highlights of of Australia? Yeah, I think the gents take a take a rest, take a break. Maybe the men's sevens team has been pretty good most of the year, but fifteens take a break. Don't do don't even go into Super Rugby. Just let the just let's have a Super Rugby at Taroa. Let's have New Zealand teams play each other six times at this in next year. You guys just yeah, like you said, find yourselves. I was just looking at Wallabies' fixtures for next year. They face Wales in their Test Series in 2024. Oh, crappico, oh, as it will be called. Oh, no. That's going to be a tough one. The team that that's loses a... that series, goodness. <laughs> I, I don't... Just... Like I said, if you lose that series, just wrap it up. Just, just, just wrap it up. 
it's gonna be so over for for those guys. Um, yeah, Cooks, we've had many rants from you about Australia. We've had many rants from you about Aust- about Wales. So yeah, this this series might actually <laughs> decide which team you're gonna be on the which country you're gonna be on their case for for the next few years. Um, <laughs> Ian Foster's like sarcastic comments about uh, that basically. They saved my job in Ellis Park and all that sort of stuff. That was hilarious. <laughs> Rassi, Rassi Rasmus just, I don't know, almost drunkenly tweeting sometimes during the course of Rugby World Cup. It's, I don't know, like, sometimes I'm just like, is this man brilliant or is this man, like, yeah, just so confident that he can just do anything. Like, just getting to Twitter beefs in the dawn of a, a knockout, rugby knockout, rugby World Cup knockout game, like, Man says balls. Like I, I can't, I can't, like I, I can't fight that because even some of the things that he does wrong, it just it, it it happens for him. Like the World Cup, yeah, I think the World Cup in general, like you said, was just absolutely brilliant because there's just so many like narratives and storylines and everything. Like there was at least a two week period when I was like, okay, this is actually the end of Southern Hemisphere rugby dominance. Like the North is up. And, you know, we just must accept it now. And then the next week, the Southern MSA wins all, almost all of their quarterfinals. Yeah. That was a scary time, Taylor, because we really thought, like, we could get an all, an all Northern Hemisphere um, semifinal. It was built up for that, remember, because they'd won most of the games in the autumn series the year before. They came down to some, they came down to the Southern Hemisphere, won two out of three series. You're like, oh, crap. And then they shut the bed. And then they shut the bed. <sighs> Oh, and the thing is, well, the funny part, and then England goes, is the team that makes it through. The team that was like almost like who were falling apart going into the World Cup, who stumbled their way through. But um, oh, that weekend, still arguably one of the greatest weekends of rugby we've probably ever had. The, just the quality of games we had for quarter the, final, the quarterfinal weekend. The quarterfinal weekend. Oh, Jesus. I mean, that's mm-hmm. something all live long in the memory. There's, I mean, like the two afternoon games were both good—the Wales Argentina game and the um, England Fiji game. Quick, but just like those two evening games. Oh, jeez, no, no, no. That's a weekend I'll never, I'll never forget. Yeah. Also, just another random memory that I have is the all the controversy in inverted commas that followed the Stormers um, video after they celebrated um, them beating <laughs> or Munster beating Leinster. That well, was a shame. Oh shame! Uh, no, it didn't. It didn't back. go so well for Joey Dweber after that. No shame. My guys gonna bounce back. I'm. Ba- I'm. I'm I, still, I still believe in you, Joey. I still believe in you. Yeah, just get away if there's a camera around you next time that you guys are watching a game. Yo, then Munster said, "Okay, we're gonna take that one personally as well," and and obviously followed it up with the URC final. Yeah, getting. Just building a nice little rivalry there um, for the, for the, in, our, in that competition as well. So, yeah, we'll see, Cooks, what 2024 has for us. I think there's obviously, there's still, there's still, well, there's still a, 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 an Olympic gold medal to win. Antoine Dupont has said he's going to put down his title. It's like when in the WWE, like, obviously someone goes off injured and they put their title down. Um, you know, they, the titles remain vacant and now yeah. there's an opportunity now for whoever to try and win um, the, 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 the best player in the world um, discussion. Oli Severe is basically also taking a break from um, 
international rugby, I think, until the, the end of year tour. So it's open now. Eben Etzebeth, I don't know if he can is if he's gonna be able to shake off the shocks and nitus or whatever you call it that he has there. No, I definitely it's gonna be interesting, yeah, because yeah, because I mean, to be fair, Dupont is is probably gonna win seventh player of the year. It just 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 because he's going to the Olympics. <laughs> he's already nominated now. So um so like it's gonna be interesting to see who steps up and makes that world player of the year. And Damien, I'm looking Williams, I'm looking this is your time, I'm looking at you. But it's gonna be interesting to see who who makes it right? I think Evans also is, is lined up for him. <laughs> I think I think Evans might pull a more known way and like like be like like forget about domestic rugby and just be good every time you play internationals. I think I think that's the route Evans <laughs> gonna go now for the next four. This is the, this is the next this is the next part of his evolution as he as he goes through another World Cup season. Like he's going for this part now. He's like he's doing the, does the more known like just just let me play in green and gold and I'll be fine. So what do I do for the Sharks? Yeah, look. It... Sharks may watch out, then they might be treated like Toulon or how Itzabeth was treating Toulon until Bucky's Boita called them out and then Itzabeth took that personally as well. Like, Itzabeth might not just play for, play for you in the next few months and just say, yeah, I've got an injury. I'm going to focus on July, basically. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's, that, that's the energy I need from him. That's what Manu did. And he kept changing teams as well, but he's like, you know what, I actually just want to play for the, the All Blacks, actually. That's all I want to do. <laughs> okay cooks i think let's finish it off there and yeah thank you so much also to our wonderful dirt trackers also for following us this year um and thanks for all the support thanks for all the feedback thanks for all the laughs and yeah i we really we really also it's just it's just awesome being part of this rugby community and being able to interact with people about rugby all over the world it's great to also just give some yeah form of content hope you've enjoyed it hope you've learned something hope you've even if you haven't learned something, hope you've had a laugh at what we talk about as well. And yeah, we hope that this um this this lovely podcast can continue growing in the next year as well. Books, hopefully you also have a break. I know you are the hardest working man in sports in South Africa. So yeah, you have a little break now until the the the, the cricket season gets going. Yeah, I got a little break now, got three weeks off, and um yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks everyone for all the support this year. Every bit you've all loved it. Tala. Sure, you're gonna. Are you taking whatever break? You got to. You you gonna be in the Cape? What's your What's your plan for for the Christmas time? Cooks, actually, I've got a very um cool Christmas coming up for me. Um, Christmas Eve, I'm flying off to Toronto, Canada, and we're spending oh, wow. Christmas um in North America. I've also my um spent time with um family there. My brother-in-law. He's a big Buffalo Bills fan. So we're going to be watching Josh Allen try to, uh, we're going to watch, I think, the Bills-Patriots game. So in like oh, nice, minus Tyler. 20. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, but also minus 20 degrees. Yeah, that's... I'm not too keen for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Josh I'll Allen's going it. to be my focus. I'll take, I'll take it. I'll take it. I know how much you love your Bills. So that's awesome, Tyler. That's, that's, that's amazing. That's a good holiday. Yeah, look, I mean... The Bulls are making it or have made it were made it very difficult for themselves. But yeah, God wins against the Cowboys and the Chiefs, so we're making that run. But yeah, we can't make any mistakes. So yeah, I'm gonna watch that. Hopefully, maybe even an NBA game if I'm lucky. But yeah, I'm gonna probably not be able to see a lot of rugby up until early next year. But yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to that. Are you gonna go home, Cooks? Go to PE for the yeah, holidays? Yeah, back to PE, chill. Yeah, I watch a little bit of rugby, but um, yeah, just literally spent three weeks. I got no work or anything like that. I've 
or doing anything up, taking a pro- uh, proper holiday. Just to end off this podcast, please tell the story. I, I, I saw it on your tweets. Please tell the story of how you got your your nickname. <laughs> oh, so you love that story. So I got the nickname Cooks from Cookie. And everyone thinks that Cookie comes from Kutle, which is my name, but um, actually comes from, I was nine years old. That's the first time I'd ever played rugby. I mean, I watched a little bit on TV. When I was the first time I played rugby, I just changed schools from coming from Joburg to PE. And then a nine coach at break time comes to me. He's like, oh, you're quite a big kid. Come play. Come <laughs> to rugby practice. I'm like, okay, cool, sweet. The next day, obviously, I had my clothes. I was going to rugby practice. As I was leaving, as I, was, as I just changed from school, I still had some money for tuck. So I went to the tuck shop and I bought, like, they just sell these, like, five, five Mario biscuits for two rand or something or like or one rand or something like that. So they put a little packet. So I got two of those, I put them in my pocket and then I was playing, and then I, I was playing flank, but, um, and then like, I don't know what I was doing. So like, I was going to put there and then I thought we were all resting. So while we, I was going to pack down, I, I was opening one of my pockets and started, just started eating the biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> They just started eating the biscuits. I was just, I was just stuck in. I'm like, I don't know. In my mind, I was like, why are we resting? And I don't know, why are we like holding each other while we rest? This doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, I don't know the sport. I'm just going to enjoy my biscuits. And the coach was like, cookies, cookies. He started calling me cookies for the longest time. And then um, dropped the S and then, yeah, eventually. And I, hate, I used to hate that. I hated the nickname. Hated it. Like in primary school, like, like I hated being called cookie. Like, it was, just, it was part of it. I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of it. And then, Eventually, like high school, I just, yeah, I adopted it. And then obviously from there, Cook's game. It's a wild story. Oh, my goodness. That is, we need that coach to also be a guest on the pod next year. <laughs> so the thing is, I'll tell you, what, the thing is that coach, I was obviously also learning the game. So then I remember one time, like, I was like, okay, we're getting total tackle low, like tackle low. Now I'm also watching a lot more rugby. I'm playing a lot because I was, I was watch cricket and soccer growing up and like rugby like a little bit. My dad was like, we love rugby, but we hardly watched it. But then I remember, like, my dad had a colleague and he brought back all these tapes of, like, New Zealand. So you'd, you'd record games of the New Zealand Super Rugby side or World Super 12 back then. So I'd watch the games that were coming from school. Like, I watched the Crusaders. So, so I was just almost get to know the game. So I was a big, like, I'm a big Crusaders fan because of that. So then mm. I used to wonder, like, why don't the players ever just jump over the person? Like, you get told to take a low, like, why don't you just jump over them? So then, the next day at practice, we did copper stuff, and all I did was jump over players. That's all I did. So someone ran a goal, I just jump over him. And my coach got so upset. He's like, you can't do that. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand though. Like, why can't I do that? And he's like, what happens is someone grabs you in the air. And like the whole time my coach was so angry because like, like when push comes to shove, because I don't know how to bounce or anything or run straight. When push comes to shove, I was very quick to hurdle players. You come low, I tell them I'm jumping over you. It's as simple as that. <laughs> it's as, like, you want to go for a flipping grass cutter? I'm jumping over you. You, yeah, you basically were Eben Etzebeth, like, today, like, a few years ago. Just speaking of, um, I was a teammate of a player where, you know, also just learned rugby and we're playing a game, like a big tense game, and we're winning it. And, you know, obviously the game ends when the ball comes out, but you can see the penalty if you throw the ball out. Oh, like, no. Out to touch. <laughs> I, you like, I'm a big rugby nerd, so I obviously know that rule. And then this, this guy who's playing hooker throws a ball out, 
And he's like starting to celebrate. I'm looking at him like, what have you just done? Ref, oh, unfortunately blows the whistle, penalty. And then we had to like defend like a rolling, like a mall or something like that and pick up and goes. We finally won the game. But yo, that moment, like everyone or the guys that knew the rules, all of them were just like, what the hell are you doing? And just like shouting at this guy. Like we won the game, so it was fine. So we could still like laugh about it. But like at the time we were... Yo, Cooks, I can't, I can't tell you how angry that that made me. <laughs> the, the thing is, like, I remember when I, like, when I was a kid or something, right? Like, the, like, you see things, like, it makes complete logic, right? To be like, if you go a yeah. jump over you, or if I just throw the ball out, the game is done. That makes sense to me. Like, <laughs> it's not something that someone explained to you, like, but, like, like when you explain the laws to someone, you're like, you don't be like, oh, by the way, don't just throw the ball out. You got to kick it out. Like, like, you don't explain this something. So when it happens, you go like, I don't know what to do because the one time when I was co- my first year coaching, I was coaching in the 16s and the opposition kicked the ball and it rolled, 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 rolled into, into our trial, into our trial line. And then the, the fullback picked it up. So then I'm like, so, but because it was like dawdling and like the opposition came running. So I'm like, put it down, put it down, <laughs> put it down. Just a step, just a half step and kick. Kicks this terrible thing. And like it wasn't even a kick. And then the opposition gets in, they score. So I go to him like, I go, why don't you just put it down? He goes, so like, I don't want to concede our own try. I'm like, oh, what? He goes, like, if I, if I put it down, like, it's, it's against us. I'm like, you're kidding me. I was like, <laughs> like, I was like, I remember I, I turned around and left. I was like, what? I was like, I'm just going to go stand on the touchline. Because if I say something, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to lose my mind. And I'm just like. I could have, I was like, guys, you, you guys need to go home and watch rugby. That's what you guys need to do. <laughs> That's your homework this week. Yeah. Oh, my word. <laughs> Let's end it off there. Thank you so much for that story. Um, yeah, some 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 deep insight here for, for the for the dirt trackers as well. Thank you so much for listening to Ragnar's podcast. As I said at the start, we're gonna take a little break um for the rest of the year. We're gonna probably only come back to podcasting in the middle of January, um, when the Champions Cup comes back. Um, so yeah. Please enjoy the rugby. Please stay safe and, and enjoy and have a relaxing festive season. Um, watch, catch up on rugby, watch some, but catch up, well, actually, no, catch up on spending time with your family, guys, please. Like, you've watched more than enough rugby for the year. You can give, at least you can give like the Dragons and the Cardiff, like derbies and all, and those sort of games a skip um, and, 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 and spend some time with your family. But yes, please follow us on our right people some channels. We're going to still try to put some content out there during the course of the holidays and just keep you updated with what's happening in the rugby world. And yeah, please like and share this podcast with the rest of your friends in the rugby world. And we will see you next year. Goodbye, everyone. Cheers, guys. <laughs> <laughs>